Hello, everybody, and welcome Hi. to Flat Chat. I'm your host, Curtis, Curtis the Gamer, and alongside of me is Sideshow, Bala, and Mimi. I'm so glad that my friends are here <laughs> to support me on my first time hosting Plat Chat. Everybody's here. The gang's all here. How you guys doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. It really, is, it really is the real ones that have turned up on time today. You know, there's a real lack of respect coming from the west side of the of the bench. I mean, come on, Josh, you can't be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason you're here on time is because you have to leave in a specific amount of time. So don't yes. be giving me that shit, Wilkinson. <laughs> Wilkinson has been on time for almost everything recently. When I when I was in Brazil, I was only late one day. <laughs> that's well, that's great pretty job, great. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, uh, what, what day is that? Because I specifically remember us saying, let's get up at 1 p.m. on their final day so we can go have lunch. And Oh, well, yeah, I'm not talking about days off. I'm not talking about days <laughs> off. I mean, yeah, you're trying to drag me out when I'm when I'm hungover and dehydrated. That ain't uh, happening. That speak, ain't happening. Speaking of days off, I think the first day off we had, I heard you went to the arcade with a big group of people, and you didn't do – I heard you just didn't do anything. I was anything. dying. No, I wasn't doing anything. No, I was, I was having the first stages of a mental boomerang that lasted the entire time. And we went to a mall just to eat. That was what we were going there, just to eat. And I don't have any signal on my phone. And then people decided to spend five hours in a mall playing on, an, playing on various different arcade machines. It was, I just sat there and read my book. I read, I read my book and I <laughs> called my wife and that, that's that's the time that you I spent. Your book. I wish I could easily go on Twitter and search these up. If you go to like Golden Boy's Twitter, there's like pictures. If you go to Pansy's uh, Twitter, there's pictures. That arcade looks super fun. You, you're just being a little Debbie you're Downer. You're just not a gamer. Who goes, who goes to another country? Who goes to another country to play in an arcade? Gamers. You went to a different country, went to an arcade and read a book. Yeah, yeah, I'm valuing my time. <laughs> All right, anyway, Mimi's still not here. She's actually right here. She's going to be back soon, I guess. She's getting a coffee. Yeah, she said she'd be like 10 minutes taking a, getting a coffee, so uh, we don't need her for the intro anyway, I don't think. We'll, no, <laughs> we'll just roast her so. for flying first class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> I wanted to recap a little bit of our adventures in Brazil because we had a lot of fun. Did you guys have fun in Brazil? Yes. <laughs> this is Mimi and Bo you guys are sat next to each other first class. You're playing like tower defense game. Yep, I was chilling. I was chilling. We were having a classy experience. Yeah, very classy. Meanwhile, I'm sat in economy fucking the woman next to me on the flight back from Sao Paulo to Amsterdam had her feet up on the chair in front of her. Like on the like on the back of the chair in front of her, fucking twiddling her toes like a absurd situation. Uh, not not pleasant whatsoever. That's kind Maybe of disgusting. Be broke. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I heard Bren upgraded his flight to like first class. For, I don't. I shouldn't say how much money it costs, but oh, it's ridiculous! I'm surrounded by wealth, and I just feel so out of place. Yeah, you're still in your white room. I heard you. You yeah. told me you got all of your stuff. Where yeah, is I've it? got all of my stuff, but I mean, the, this my PC is still in Pelican cases behind me because I haven't unpacked it yet. What I mean, I've only desk? been back. I've only been back for a couple. This is a fucking camping desk. I mean, there's there's <laughs> not much going on here. All right. I think we should get down to brass tasks. 
Is that how you say it? Brass tasks? Brass tax. 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 No. I actually tax. looked this up. It's no, tax. It's tax. T-A-C-K-S, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. it was yeah, tax. Brass tax. Like T-A-X. Like brass well, tax? I don't taxing know. people and then I Googled for it. having too much brass. Yeah. That makes sense, right? <laughs> or anyway. Or taking their brass as tax. Let's, let's well, get everyone into it. needs to keep a liquid amount of brass in order to pay their taxes. <laughs> yes. So what? In the shape of brass tax. Exactly. Right, brass right, right. I see. Tax. What, what is... Br okay, let's figure this out. What is tax? T-A-C-K-S. The they like little nails. Things that, that you so put why in. do you... So you're... What is... Because you're making a is, list of the brass tax. I can't tell you the etymology. I don't know. I've no idea. All right. Saul Goodman needs to... <laughs> come out with another season explaining that shit all right let's go <laughs> into our first topic a new agent if you haven't heard gecko has been released he is the newest agent he looks pretty cool uh, i like his aesthetic i like his little creatures uh what do you guys think kind of dog for a lizard <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I feel like the gameplay loop is interesting that they've got with him, where he has to go and pick up his little creatures. But I'm not convinced that it's gonna be particularly effective. His flash is so slow and just kind of dribbles through the air. Um, I I I don't think people are gonna get great value out of it. I, I saw like. Tarek and FRT talking after the show match saying that they thought this uh, agent was going to end up getting nerfed pretty quickly because you can like use two ults with it in the round and that kind of stuff. But I, I just don't think I don't think it does enough in its like base loop to be useful. And also, if you don't go and pick the stuff up, you're just giving so much information away to your opponents about where you are, right? Like, the whole point of him is supposed to be, he takes space, he goes, he picks up his thing and takes a bit more space. But the game is so much more complicated than that. If you go and take a bit of space, you need to be threatening to your opponent that you could still be there or you might have left. That's like the entire point of these uh, incomplete information games. And if if they know whether you're there based on whether or not they see a glowing orb on the ground or whether there's like a pickup noise or whatever, like that, that is just giving away so much info yeah, but, to the defenders. But you don't have to pick it up too. You could fucking bait it and act like you didn't or that you did leave the space and you didn't leave the space. It adds the entire other And then what? So you're just giving up your ability for the entire rest of the round it just to fake seconds. like you're not there. You, you retake the space after they think it's gone. You pick it back up while it actually happens. You have it again. Or maybe you pick it back up in post point. Like... Uh, Bruh, I just don't see it. I mean, look at this. It's the flash travels so slowly. Yeah, but it also it you can't health. dodge it. You can't yeah, dodge the. You flash. can shoot it. Sure, it has you can. twenty health. But maybe come up with some creative lineups where shooting it is bad for you, just like any other fucking thing that you have to shoot in the game. It moves so slowly. I don't know. I fucking <laughs> love Wingman. If someone wants to, you know, make a, a plushie or a little robot out of this dude, yes, yeah, they are uh, doing I'm all that in. for sure. So you guys, do you guys think the the wingman bomb plan is is strong? Because the scenario that Wyatt gave to me that made me think that it's actually kind of good is like, say you kill, you do a fast execute, you kill both the players in the site, you throw wingman down to plant the bomb and get in better position immediately. Whereas you don't need someone sitting there planting the spike in the middle of the site and then getting in position. Do you think that? scenario is realistic and strong is there any other scenarios in which wingman uh could be extremely useful yeah he's useful for planting in certain scenarios like any place that like you dive into plant and dive back out like behaven for example icebox you can plant him 
using a sage wall still or harbor cove or something like that yeah you could definitely find some value out of it but there's also so much danger in it too right in the in the sense that you can't get him out like the guy has no agency to bounce if you don't like the situation you know so i think it's it's an okay piece of mechanic i think his just regular mechanic is way better I mean, I think it's good for the scenario that Wyatt described, right? When you're going to, you're trying to stop a flood retake. You hit the plant, and you know that they're going to do some like crazy shit when you when you make the plant noise. Like they're going to go for a full retake as soon as you press the plant down. And so you just send wingman, and you have more players forward to be able to try to hold the space. But I think that the what what that offers is not enough to push him into being. Uh, a, a superb agent or anything like that. And the same case when you're diffusing and retaking, like, yeah, you can go and put wingman on and you have an extra player pushing yourself forwards. But I think most of the time that's not going to make up for the fact that he hasn't really helped you get into the site as well as another agent. He isn't giving you useful retake utility compared to other agents. Like, I just think the advantages there are, are bigger to having... I don't even know who you would replace him with, but, like... I don't know, Breach, KO, whatever. Like, other agents just seem to give you more. So what about, like, combinations with, like, Wingman? Like, obviously, we saw in the show match they're trying to combine the Harbor Cove with the, the <laughs> Wingman plant. Is that, yeah, like, actually actual, viable? I mean, it looked like they they wanted Wingman to die. I mean, they are just... <laughs> they're just sending that little sunshrew-looking motherfucker in inside his own Thunderdome where he can't defend himself and everybody else can just run inside from the uh, defender's point of view and take him out. I mean, we're just sending him in like a sacrificial lamb. I don't really see the cove being that useful, to be honest. It's so easily killed. Look, I think this is the clip of Tarek just first round of the show match. He just runs in and kills Wingman. I just, just love this. It's FRT mollied yes. himself off because he's trying to right-click Wingman to plant, but he actually had his molly out, so he right-clicked the molly and split them all up. It's yeah, I just... mean, the show match gameplay quality of Gecko is not the highest in the world. These guys had, I think, one scrim and maybe one previous time where they could have played the agent, so they weren't that familiar with it. They were cooking, though. They were cooking. <laughs> I I've been playing with him in ranked the yesterday basically uh since he came out already and i think he's actually like viable like his his abilities just as base are pretty good like right off a rip like the wingman regular boom bot thing is actually fucking insanely good to be able to get a boom bot like multiple times in a round potentially it's yeah crazy. that's quite good yeah because um, you often do follow the boom bot into places like much more than a flash yes and the the cone of aggression is way wider than a boombot. Yes. The boombot will only aggro if you're like, you know, inside this. Guys, we already started. I'm here on time. Let's go. Oh, poggers. There's the <laughs> fucking cone of aggression. Fucking <laughs> Josh is about to win. So this is, this is the like little boombot cone of aggression. And then wingman's cone of aggression is like this. <laughs> <laughs> so it hits people even when they're much further away from where you pointed it at. Yeah. Uh, but also... You, there's like ideas uh now that i've played with him for more than uh, a couple hours like throwing the flash straight up for example and getting info and then it just lands right up back on top of you you're able to recover it in instantly like there's definitely some stuff that is unexplored with him still and then his fucking mosh is his his molly is just actually a really good execute tool 
Like that thing covers so much space and it flushes you out like really, really well in comparison to other places. So I think wing or I think gecko good. So what about his alt though? Insane. It seems Dolt pretty damn good. good. <laughs> it's just insane. They buffed it since I've played too. Like really? It's yeah, it's it's more HP. Because at first I thought you could just shoot this thing really, really easily, but now it's kind of like one person can't really shoot it unless they have like a full thing of bullets and can see him from really far away. So it's five bullets, right, from the Vandal to kill it. Has two hundred HP, so I think it's I think it might be six. It depends on the range. Depends on the range with a Vandal. No, I'm trolling with it. You're saying with the Vandal. Yes, five with the Vandal. <laughs> I'm trolling. But yeah, yeah, it would depend on the range of the Phantom. Yes. Mimi, I have a question. Yeah. Is your microphone like in Narnia? Um. No. There you go. Is this good now? <laughs> yeah, it's a little I'm very prepared. Right? I'm very prepared to podcast. I'm super prepared to podcast. All right. I'm, gl I'm ready glad for you're this. here. I'm glad we're all here. Is, is yes. there any, like, so. What is an overall strength check you guys, you guys have on Gecko? Is he going to be viable? Uh, I've heard it's Mullins like from some of you guys saying <laughs> that he might be just like a, uh, a an easy initiator to pick up for newer players, but not necessarily good enough for pro play. Is Has that opinion changed since you guys have had a chance to play him? Um. I still kind of stand in the camp that I think I think you can get some value out of him. I think there are there are maps where maybe we see some teams try him out. Um, I I think the the biggest issues that stand with him right now is that his E is hard to get value with. I feel like on the defense because um, if you're like throwing it forward for scouting or anything like that, like you would with the other initiators, you're not going to be able to get it back most of the time without putting yourself at risk to recover your little friends. Um, I think that also his 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 Roomba guy is pretty solid. Like I think that's probably the strongest tool in his kit. It's really good as a Roomba. Uh, like we, you guys were talking about when it came in, like having the bigger like AOE to like actually stun people is pretty good. Like it's actually a good tool to follow up on. And you can find some like kind of cool gimmicks with the plant stuff for executes. Um, but I still think like he fills a weird role because I think most like more normal like no, quote-unquote like normal like initiators who will have like a, a dart or a like a like a fade or a sova that recharges on 45 seconds still provide more value in that way so i think you have to in a way kind of build your comp around him like you want tools that can help his wingman plant if you're doing that on an attack so i think generally that i imagine he's not going to be like meta defining i don't think every team is going to be like whoa we're going to run this guy but I think some teams could be able to find value. And I think he'll be quite common in ranked because I think he's approachable. I think he's fun. I think the the gameplay loop of picking up your little guys is very cool. And I think that's going to appeal to a lot of players. And I feel like that's actually a pretty good place for him to be in as a new agent. You, uh, sorry, I, I've only played with him for a small period of time. You're telling me you can detain and flash yourself and stun yes. yourself. This guy has Holy the, shit. I think he has the Only best potential for Josh trolling. Josh Wilkinson. He has the best potential for trolling. Holy shit, I'm going to play him all the time. <laughs> all the time. Because also, presumably if you can detain yourself and stuff like that, you can also detain your teammates, can't you? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my you god. Can, I would, dude, I was <laughs> doing Whoa, that Get me in the server with this guy! <laughs>
That's so fucking incredibly troll. Dude, I was playing him in ranked yesterday, and um, my teammates started screaming at each other, and my omen was like calling people <laughs> slurs, and just every time I got my alt, I detained him. It was really good. Oh my it was God. really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. They're uh, gonna remove that. There's probably. gonna be people it's are going to feature. pick. People are going to threaten to pick Gecko to ruin games. At the Why beginning. is it even a thing, though? I mean, there's no, I have no idea. There's no reason to add that into the game that he has, because the Dizzy specifically doesn't target your teammates, but it is a projectile, so I guess the splash still works on your teammates. But yes. why? Why would that even be a thing that they've put in? It's not like you you're disincentivizing the players from using it in crowded situations. It's, 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 all it's for realism. If there's paint flying at you, it should flash you too. No, obviously. Oh right, yeah, yeah. This game's really known for its realistic graphics and you situations. You can't even see your feet corridors. when you look down. Ridiculous. What? <laughs> Wait, what? Ever since Halo Two Combat Evolved, they haven't figured out how to do it again. Damn. All right. Anyway, you just blew my fucking mind. <laughs> Holy shit! Imagine in... Ray satcheling and you look down, and you see your feet like, <laughs> flying through the air, <laughs> like dangling behind you. It's That'd never be something so I considered. That's so crazy. All right, I think we, it's time to move on. We talked about Gecko a little bit. We're trying to speed run this episode. Obviously, it's a, it's a pretty light episode. We haven't, not much has happened, so we're going to get through it. Um, so Premier- Not much has happened. Yeah, not Just much has happened. <laughs> Premier has been announced. Open beta is happening pretty damn soon. Uh, for those who don't know, Premier is the uh, in-game tournament system that Valorant is going to have with the ultimate goal of it being a pathway to pro. Do you guys think that this is actually going to be what happens maybe within like the next two years of Valorant? Are we gonna see pros in like top level Valorant that came from Premiere? Yeah, I think so. I think so because we already see that with ranked. Uh, you already see people at the top of ranked getting picked up by different people. I mean, MCE is uh, uh, one that has Previously been on record talking about like how he scouts people from ranked and uh, presumably with the cloud nine situation He's gonna be doing that again, but we'll talk about that in a bit um, I think that premier is just gonna give you a slightly better indication of that kind of stuff Like you're still gonna want to see people playing tournaments actual tournaments against More structured teams, but you're definitely gonna see some like, you know premier stars get Chances on tier two teams or tier three teams and then work their way up. It's just gonna be a uh, like a lower version of open division. It's like uh, the guy, the guy that's going absolutely batshit insane right now in the Japanese stuff. The, the something. something, yeah. It, you know, if something's playing in Premier and he's fucking smoking everybody and dropping seventy two per map, then yeah, he's gonna get a, a tryout in a different team. It's just a way of noticing people. Uh, I don't think people will get noticed from Premier, but rather qualifying into challengers from Premier, and then that is where they'll start getting scouted. Why? Because I highly, highly, highly doubt that anybody is going to be watching any fucking level of Premiere. Because there probably won't be any broadcasts, and it's probably just a bunch of fucking random friends playing and eventually getting to some high tier, but even then still wouldn't expect any broadcasts, which should happen eventually, but not within two to three years. People will just look at the stats. What stats? 
You think they're gonna fucking troll through the fucking? The, what? There's gonna be the there's tournament gonna be, stats of best of ones. There's gonna be Premier? a tracker.gg filter that only works oh, for Premier great. games or something. No way. There's no yeah, way. Of course they will. They're gonna look at the stats. That's not what MC is doing. MC is fucking watching the stream. Oh, MC is in the fucking spectator stream in, in ranked. Yeah, yeah. He's fucking talking to his friends who are playing fucking radiant ranked, and they're like, "Holy shit!" Actually, why would that the, be any different in Premier? The, the story of what? The the. the, the his fucking pro player friends are not going to be playing Premier at the top level of anybody well, yeah, who's that's actually true. doing anything. That's true. <laughs> and that the, story, true. the story of Trent is that MC was trialing people for his team on the guard, and they scrimmed against Trent. Not that he fucking found him from ranked. Yes, he was a ranked demon, but that's side to side. Not the. Not that I think that you're wrong. I think ranked people get discovered all the time, but... Um, I don't know. You have to actually be actively playing with them to be. Okay, scouted. so what's what's going to happen instead is MC is looking for his new player for Cloud9, and uh, he, he goes to Bala, and he says, all right, dude, I've got to try and scout somebody from Premier. Please, can you play against them? Tell me who the best players are that you, the broadcast talent team, have played against in Premier. There's no way it's it's gonna it's gonna be more like uh, like like Baldo said, where people are gonna make it to challengers, they're gonna get scouted in challengers. Maybe challengers teams are in the fucking depths hunting for the one the one new idol within Premiere, and they find someone to like elevate from like the tier three to the tier two. But I don't think it'll happen that much all the way up to tier one. But still, I think pre Premiere good, Premiere cool. It's connecting the game in the eSport. Bright has actually done a pretty good job about that stuff. Uh, and this is a much bigger step to getting us closer to that. Because if I'm correct, right, like the top league, top Premiere players will actually have a chance to qualify into playing in the Challenger circuit, which is oh, pretty awesome. That's the, well, yeah, eventually what's going to happen. They, they haven't actually specified any specifics. Like it's not necessarily top division. Sure. It's just like an open tournament or whatever. But yeah. That is, is it, eventually there's a path. Does that mean that there's going to be no more open tournaments for qualifiers, or is it just going to be premier qualifiers? Premier is the open tournament. That's pretty sick. And I, I, I kind of agree with Josh. I think it actually is viable. I think once you hit a certain level in premier, you're probably just going to get poached if you're really that good. Uh, you're going to get trialed, and then if you're good enough, you'll, you'll get hired. We'll kind of sucks, team. I guess, for these like third-party organizations that have built up a bit of a, a system of running open tournaments in Valorant, because they're currently getting paid, presumably, for their services like administrating and running these things and running the bracket, and now they're just going to run it through Premier instead. What tournaments? I mean, the Knights stuff, the old NSG kind of people, although I know NSG are not running anything anymore, and now Knights actually have challenges, so I guess it's not really as relevant as, uh, sure, sure. as I made it seem, but there's an you NSG know, for a time, there's... like in a week from now. <laughs> you can become an NSG creditor by playing. Ooh, very exciting. <laughs> um, oh, bye, Josh. Oh, I, Josh I, really didn't like that joke. I, I do think that... Um, <laughs> he really didn't like that. Sorry, go ahead. That uh, TOs might actually end up getting access to running tournaments in Premiere, like in the game itself, which just alleviates a lot of the headache of administrating tournaments in the first place and just allows them to put on high quality content broadcast whatever um and focus just on that which i think is pretty cool if that happens because it happened in fortnite and hopefully it'll happen here too but so before we move on to the next topic do you guys know about clash and league of legends it's a similar system but i don't think the goal is to get Pro players, I think it's just more of like a fun in-game competitive system. Um, 
So my understanding, it's like you just put up like Riot puts up like normally it's like fake money, like RP points, yeah. and you play in a tournament for that. Like it's not there's there's much lower stakes, but people still enjoy it. You get cosmetics and yeah. and riot points or whatever for playing. If, is it, if there's any fucking network technicians in the chat, by the way, every time I run a video ninja and try and record this fucking episode, my my Ethernet port on my PC breaks down. How is it overheating my Ethernet port? Where, but where streaming doesn't. But it only happens when I record Platchat. What the fuck is going on? Stop anyway, I'm on Wi-Fi. Some hot fire. It's very stupid. Have you tried a different <laughs> Ethernet cable? Like Jackass. <laughs> 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 All right, um, let's get into the meat and the potatoes of this episode. Fanatic. Finally. Finally lift the trophy. And when I was making this topic, I was thinking to myself, finally might not be the right word for it. I was thinking, Fnatic already lift the trophy. Do they have many trophies to look forward to this year? Or is, did they just benefit off of the, the tournament style? How do you guys feel about Fnatic? Were they the best team at lock-in? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I, I mean, I, I think that... The format was supposed to lend itself to a lot of upsets, but I think when you look at the way that they stomped some of their other competition, like Na'Vi, and, uh, you know, murked their way through that side of the bracket, didn't look like they were at any risk against teams like 100 Thieves or Sentinels, and then they end up uh, coming through with the, the trophy win at the end. I don't think they're guaranteed to win every tournament. I'm not saying that they're indisputed GOAT, you know, the era of Fnatic starts now or anything like that, but, yeah, I think they were... They were certainly a top team. They looked like they were going to 3-0 the finals, to be honest. And I think that they should have taken the trophy. Like They looked like the best team at the event, in my opinion. And I think that there's a decent chance they lift another trophy this year. The big problem with that is there's only three trophies to lift in a Valorant season. Um, so your chances, you know, even if you have a 50% chance of lifting each trophy, you don't have a great chance of getting multiple. Sure. Although to be fair, it does it does mean a little bit more to to lift the regional trophies as well, and I think they they very 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 clearly look like the best team in EMEA. <clears throat> like I was like, this team is good; they're going to be good until that game against Navi, and that game just impressed me. The the way that they managed to dismantle Navi, even in those close games, holding things tight. I think Boaster, um, his calling seemed so much better throughout this tournament than previous ones. We were waiting for the choke to happen. And it kind of did happen in the grand finals, <laughs> but it didn't happen. It didn't happen in that semifinal, which I thought was good because Navi was actually adapting, switching things up, throwing new things. And Fnatic always managed to have an answer for it. Um, Chronicle and Leo, as expected, very, very good video game players. And I'm not going to say they're expected to, to lift another trophy because we've said that about every team that's ever won a fucking trophy in this game. And it never happens. It's a curse. But I think it does look possible because this team looks very insane. And I will say flat out, they were the best team at Lockett. Yep. I agree. I think finally is completely apt, though. Like, fine, yeah. fucking finally, because <laughs> this took so long for a team that has looked like they were in this state in previous iterations. Maybe not this state, um, because I, I think it's firmly behind them now, that Chokenatic type of narrative, even though it did rear its head some points. But you just tell, like, all the players that you have on this team now are able to, like, allow Boaster to still continue calling and continue thinking as uh, because they're good enough to do what he needs them to do i guess in that sense not that he should have been a, he should have put himself in those situations with weaker teams but um now they're just so strong that 
he'll easily push through that. Um, yeah, he had chances to win tournaments before, though, right? Like, the, the Fnatic was the best team in EMEA and looked like they could have been the best team in the world for different tournaments, too. But for this one, I, I put a tweet out when they first signed this roster. Like, th this is the only super team, in my opinion, like, worthy of the title that we have heading into 2023. Yep. Uh, and I don't think... People will talk about Loud or Sentinels or Cloud9 or whatever, but th that's some fucking bullshit. Like, the, the, the Loud team has had to make two you know, Risky. massive signings of new players. While it's the best that the Brazilian region could come up with, for sure, that doesn't mean that it's a super team, I don't think. And uh, the, the you know, the Sentinels and Cloud9 teams are just not stacked in the way that Fnatic is stacked. Like, most teams only have two of these caliber of players. Like, most teams only have a Durka and an Alphia, and then three more supportive players. Or some of the best teams have, like, three of that caliber of player, and it's like, holy fuck. Um, this team has four unbelievably talented players where the weakest of them has at any point, and you can pick anybody you like here, but the weakest of them has at some point been considered the best team in their region or the best team in the world. And that's the second worst player on the team. Like, it do literally, you can repeat that argument with any of the four players apart from Bosa, and it holds true because that's what's been said about them at various times. So that to me is fucking monstrous. And they had to win a title this year. They had to. And so the, the fact that they've got it at the beginning here, I think, is, is great for the team overall. And I want to see where they can push to. But the quality is, is just so absurd on this team. I wonder if it, like, um, if it takes pressure off of them or if it puts more pressure on them now that they've won a trophy. Like, with that whole statement in mind that they need to win a trophy this year because the team quality is so fucking insane... But now that they've shown that they've done it already, like, is it going to get harder for them mentally to, to do it again? I would say probably no, no, really? Absolutely so. not. The monkey is okay. off the back. Dude, they were using I Want to Lift a Trophy as a promo campaign of Masters Copenhagen, I believe. I think we just yes. saw signs of Boaster, <laughs> I Want to Lift a Trophy, and then they fall short again and again, and now they already lift the trophy, and... Their team is stacked. And also, I thought Boaster overperformed um, when he has an insane team around him and he also performed at a high top level, like probably the best he's ever performed at an international event. Uh, I would love Over to see the stats on that. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think they're only going to I get just better. feel like this team is so good right now that like if they start getting choky, if something goes wrong, it's just like, oh, Chronicle's just going to have a round. Alpha's going to have a round. Leo's going to have a round. Durga's going to have a round. Like, there's always going to be something to, like, break the momentum, it, it feels like, for them. What, wasn't that already happening at this tournament? Like, uh, I, I feel like I saw many instances of the same Boaster IGL, like, doesn't really know what to do in the final few moments. Round's getting extremely tight. It looks like they've thrown the round away because the mid-round enforced the pieces. And then suddenly they get to a site and fucking Alphia kills two or Chronicle yeah. kills two or like, something look at like that. that. That's what happened in the 100 Thieves series. Like, Boaster literally said, I ran out of ideas in that series, guys. My bad. We almost choked that one. And they almost did. And then, like, the last round before they were, it was about to go to overtime, Dirk is just like, okay, what if I just killed everyone on the site with a shorty? That'd be so cool. Yeah, and, and also I feel like they were spamming the same kind of strats in OT again and again when it got to the game against, I think it was Furia, yeah. but yeah. All, also they were doing that even when the game got close on Haven against uh, Na'Vi too, where they just run the same plays. And it's not 
it, I mean, it's it's a clever IGLing to some degree because Boaster's realizing he doesn't need to overcook it. Like, they just can't stop this strat. Let's just run it until it fails. So, you know, it's it's sensible, pragmatic IGLing. But it's not like Boaster put on a, an insane performance with his IGLing, in my opinion, on this event. He had his moments, for sure, but I think the the sum total of it was extremely good prep work he- heading in from boaster as well right to simplify his job once it actually got into the game and the insane um individual ability of being able to make like moments where boaster doesn't have to micro them and the fragging power that they have i think they demonstrated like actual super team vibes where anybody at any time can step up and win around for them and it's not just down to boaster's calling and micromanaging like it has been in the past yeah, I did see moments where the micromanaging and IGLing did put them in a spot where even a super team couldn't put you, like, bring you out of. Where, for example, 100 Thieves come back against them on Icebox. Like, that attack side was drastically different than what we saw in the finals against Loud, where yes, yeah. multiple moments it's like, yeah, okay, like they're fucking going for this crazy strat, and that's causing them to all be on different pages because yeah. it's not practiced enough or whatever. And then there's moments where it's like, yeah, no way, even this team can't pull it back. But um that honestly that last round was one of those moments but it just ends up happening that yeah it fucking super team even like they're like lotus attack side versus loud like there were so many rounds where they were just like running out of time in the mid round and trying to make like some last second call to pivot into a site and like getting spiked down but just getting owned to like a a fast like retake like there were still some of those issues that showed at times but i think that that is stuff that I hope at least that can that can heal with time and that can make this team look even stronger because despite all the mistakes we're pointing out they still won the fucking tournament. They still looked insane. They still had five players who were all putting on like really masterful performances across the course of the tournament. So yeah, I, I think there should be an expectation for them to lift another trophy. Will that happen again? Should, but don't know. One player that we really didn't talk about at all is uh, the VLR and the Spike GG MVP. Apparently oh they God. gave him a trophy. I don't know if they actually sent him a trophy, but Leo. He was who we thought he was. We ranked him number four in our top 10 <laughs> going into yep. lock-in. And he was probably even better than that. Leo is a Chad. He's, he's a god. Yeah, he's the truth. He is a, yeah, the we, absolute truth. I think me and Bala both had him. I'm not sure about the other people on uh, the, the podcast, but I think it was a, it was a fairly like, well-held idea that he was going to be the best player on Fnatic, on a super team. This guy who hadn't been in the biggest moments had only really shown himself at, was it one LAN playing with Guild? It was just Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah it was just Copenhagen. Like, you could just see from watching his online games and that uh, one performance at LAN that he was already of the quality to be able to be the best player on a super team, um, which is fucking crazy, honestly that he then lives up to it. He's only 19 years old. He looks insanely talented, and he's just got the full package. Yeah, his his composure, everybody's composure was amazing, but again, he's played at one international land before this and then top performs in his second international <laughs> land with huge expectations for him and his team going into it. Uh, I wanted to touch on Chronicle being the first ever player to win two international land titles. Just a nice little landmark for Valorant. Also in the grand finals, he played five different agents. Pretty, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Um, I guess there's really nothing else to say in regards to that, but one thing that might uh, be a little disappointing going into Masters Tokyo is that Fnatic has earned EMEA 
four oh. slots. Fucking Christ. Oh, no. Oh, God. No. And no. I'm not oh, a, a hater. I think Fnatic are insanely good. I love me Look. some Na'Vi. All right. What else do we got? And we got two more. What, other <laughs> what else okay. do we got? We got two more. Is Carmine Corp going to so, be making Masters Tokyo? Like, what's the I, do not list? say that to me. Do not Dude, say that to me. It is actually Carmine Corp, though. It, as horrendous as it is. It is not It's Vitality Carmine and Carmine Corp. No, no, it's not. It is Vitality Giants. It is Vitality and Giants are Koi. There's no way it's Carmine You're coping. You're coping. Because it could be foot. I, I, I think it's foot before it's Carmine Corp. Okay, here, here's yes. my thing about Carmine Corp. Dude. The, all the French fans that were clipping me on Platchat saying that Carmen Core are trolling, they are trolling. Your team is fucking trolling. Your team is trolling. And I've got a mad video that I'm going to make whenever I can be fucked about all the ways in which they're trolling. But also, if they just stop any one of the trolls, they're immediately going to be a top three team. Oh, a top four team for sure, but they have chances of being a top three team in EMEA because the competition is not that great. And also, <sighs> their player quality is also really high whilst trolling! <laughs> they're, they're fucking, they are inting rounds away with bad economical management. Their IGLing is really poor. They only have a couple of maps that they're good at. Their comps make no sense, and they're still doing okay. I How mean, are they going to fix it? How are they going to get Scream off IGL? How? How do they stop him? Because he well, seems I, unstoppable. I, I don't think they need to get him necessarily off IGL to even, like, get to these LAN events. If they have four spots, I mean, all they need to do is tighten up. So if they if they dragged in some slightly better comps and stopped force buying Sheriff and Guardians in every fucking round so that they could actually afford some some rifles, then that would already put them neck and neck with Vitality. I, I, think, I think this team is going to get underrated because they are trolling, but they are actually going to make it to tokyo and it's gonna fucking mold me off the face of the earth Holy but shit. that's but that is that is how bad emea currently look i mean <laughs> emea were in the dumps at this tournament fanatic and navi looked insane but oh my god vitality are like should be a dark horse team and they're top three like for sure top three no one else looked near them listen listening to this is so fucking cathartic after being the fucking uh the the carmine core fpx debate the great debate during our pickums because josh is like putting reasoning to everything that i was saying about how karma and core yeah they're gonna be fucking trolling but they're still gonna fucking beat fpx and they're still they gonna nearly fucking... didn't motherfucker they i know i know I, was... I know i know i know but that's the point that you're fucking making they could and they probably will qualify for in the air with top four spots even with the trolling is <sighs> the whole fucking crux of my argument earlier on it's just like there's no way you could bring a team like that. Anyways, we're fucking getting, digressing way too far. I, but I, I think that, okay, the, the worst part about this is not that a bad team from EMEA is going to make it. It's that Japan has no chance. <laughs> that is true. Imagine being a Japanese fan and buying a ticket and you get to watch Carmen Core instead of Zeta Division. Oh. Dude, tell me how Zeta makes top three in Pacific. I'm not going to be able to. It's not possible. If they if they had a chance of making top four, if DRX had won, uh, which God bless him doesn't look like that was on the cards, but if it, maybe maybe Zeta have a chance of making top four, but no, I, uh, even top, that would have been a stretch, I think. Top four, DRX better than them for sure. Genji talent better than them. Secret probably better than them. I'd say RQT one like paper. I forgot about him. I think they are a bottom three Pacific team. I'm gonna be real. Oh God, I mean I didn't oh, go that far. Jesus Christ.
I love Japan. I really, really, really like Japan, and I love Zeta Division, but I also was very unimpressed with what I saw from them this tournament. It was... I, I didn't even think that they played that horrendously, to be honest. I think they were up against a really tough Leviathan team, and I thought... Their, their game the pro was fine. The, was the comeback was right. nice, but the first map was fairly dreadful. Leviathan looked good, but the thing is, like the rest of the Pacific teams, like shocked me by how good they looked. Yeah, like, exactly. Pretty That's much every other Pacific team came out and really, really impressed me. Whereas Zeta Division about met expectations of being yeah. like, okay, this is an upset team. Maybe they can take a map off of Leviathan. They almost did, but I don't see much more than that. And I think that's enough to put them towards the bottom of Pacific because I think this this league is actually people were sleeping on it. It's pretty fucking stacked. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting when we do power rankings. Bottom three, it's hard to fucking to think no. about, but maybe we reverse them again. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not no, I'm touching the Zeta Division logo unless I'm moving it around in tier list. I'm, I'm not flipping it around. Uh, we can around talk about the, the Pacific teams uh, as we go forward. I just um, think it's good karma that Fnatic fucking uh, uh, win the tournament finally to return the payments to all the fucking other EMEA teams that have gifted them spots at champions over the past fucking two years. True. <laughs> True. Good That's on it. him. All right. So, the team that almost took the title, almost went back to back, almost... Subverted. I mean, they are. They definitely subverted everybody's expectations. Loud are still the best team in Americas after changing out two of their players, Saucy and Pinkata out, uh, Coenzine and Tui's in. Are they better than what they were before, or are they going to be better? Because they look damn good. They looked like a championship team. They looked like they were getting better as the tournament was progressing. Uh, I wanna. I wanna hear from somebody else before I before I open on this. Okay. I think that right now, I do not feel like they are better, but I think this team will be better soon than what the previous roster was able to achieve in Heights. First off, things that really impressed me in this tournament, like Sadak being able to come in as an IGO, work with a new coach, completely change the style, and still look fantastic in integrating these two new players. They didn't have that, that huge amount of time to get these guys in, and it looked fairly well drilled after the initial start of the tournament where like the core was looking a little bit troll in their first couple matches and they were looking a little bit rough. They really got things under control for their last three series in this event. Um, and the coordination was pretty cool. I think their read on the meta is fantastic. I love the sky double controller compositions. I think that's a direction that more teams are going to move in. And I think their game plans around it were great. Their pro was awesome. Their icebox was very good. Um, consistently, when they were playing those comps, they were performing well. I also think that considering the fact that you are making up for Pencata um, and and Saucy, the performances that, that Tuiz and Kalanzine were able to put up, very, very, very insane. I think Kalanzine, he's played one land before, but he was like the best like kind of standout player that I think people didn't expect to be insane. Like everyone expected Leo to be insane. I don't think most people expected Kalanzine to be as good as he is. So this team, very impressive. I think it's fair to say that they should be expected to be the best in Americas. But back to the question of whether they're as good as the old team. The old team was really fucking good. They had insane player quality. They had some good ideas. They had, they had good structure, obviously, and were able to come back and, and win a title at the end of the day. This team, I still think, had some moments of trolling. And they had the player quality to come back and win out in those moments. They were very good in this crap. But I still think there are some, like, kind of 
moments of coordination and moments, particularly towards the early part of this tournament, where it still kind of felt like there was a voice that was missing, where like people were kind of going off on their own, doing things that were a little bit too silly. I think there are still some of those issues, but I think Loud impressed enough here and showed enough player quality that they will be able to be as good as Loud was before. I, I'm not even sure that I agree with Loud being the best team in Americas. I mm. think that, I think that the Americas region. I kind of think this about EMEA as well, where I think Navi have a great shot of actually lifting that trophy. But I'll, we'll get onto them in a bit. And I, but I feel more strongly about Americas in that the game NRG Loud that we're watching here was so close and actually i i was just trying to count it up there i might be wrong with this but i think nrg had more match points than loud did they had more opportunities to win the match right okay yeah i think they had like three compared to two or something like that I, i'm not exactly sure but the the match was decided by very very slim margins and that's also with probably loud having a better read on the meta in terms of the uh the viper harbor uh, sky stuff but I, I i think that just because loud made it to the finals and had a chance of being able to win doesn't really uh rule nrg out from having a a, a very strong chance of being the best team in america's too and sure. i wasn't impressed by some of the stuff that i saw from loud like i think that forcing the double due list is um it looked cool at the beginning and sadak was playing pretty well at the start and then the more tough the opponent the more he really dropped off and the more that that led to their calling dropping off as well and i don't think that that's going to end up being sustainable for them if they want to uh, take this to win tournaments the other part being too that we saw some outrageously godly performances from aspas and somewhere he just completely fell off and frankly neither seemed that correlated to whether or not loud won it wasn't like loud was always winning when aspas had a god game and it wasn't like they couldn't win when aspas was falling over it it, it more so seemed that aspas was actually quite an unconnected element of loud's uh game plan and not not given the same ways of of uh, him being set up that we saw with the Sassy Pancada duo, because they would play a much slower style. Aspas had a very defined role, and Sadak was always there to support. On this team, there's a lot of moments where Aspas just has to kind of bully his way through situations without too much utility really being given to him, and that I think is leading him into a feast or famine play style where. He just is forced to take sometimes low percentage shots and he's sometimes good enough to win them all and, and dominate. But sometimes he's just going to not really get much done and it's just the space that he creates that's the benefit for Loud. Um, I think I, part I, of that I'm is because of the comps that they're playing, no? Yeah, because, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, uh, and early on in the tournament as well, when you mentioned like Sadak like playing the double duelist on split and stuff and doing well against those early teams, like a lot of times the game plan at the very beginning of games, even on those weird comp maps like Pearl, Aspas was a main focal point of just their game plan where he was just pushing top mid and just like fucking aggressively taking space with like Harbor utility. That stuff fell off towards the end of the tournament. It felt like they weren't running nearly as much of it, if if at all. Um, so maybe that's an aspect of it as well. But I, I certainly think that the comps have a major factor to do with it because it's it's super slow it's very map control focused where yeah you can be the tip of the spear in a lot of those attack sides but especially when it comes to defense like it's hard for him to be in the same positions rather than and actually be able to 
take advantage of the untradeability factor rather than just being somewhere else on his own, you know? I do distinctly remember, especially with Mimi on the desk, just talking about like how Auspice is just constantly like, just not with the hit, which was definitely weird. Yeah, um, I I agree. There were some weird things. I I I'm especially expecting them to have real comps on Fracture and Split as time goes down, um, which to me will kind of put them over the edge against like an NRG who, in yeah, my yeah. mind, also is like kind of rolling the dice with dice with the the rolls that they're picking, um, and just kind of going all over the place with that. But yeah, so I, I I think I still edged loud over them uh, overall. Yeah, I don't think they're at the same level as the Sassy Pancada duo yet, but I think that they could get there with time. You've got to remember that these teams haven't had a huge amount of time to practice together. Mm -hmm. The the loud team only really came into its best elements between that period of time after Copenhagen up to the run yep. at champs, where they were building on so much pre-existing teamwork. And I think that this team has that ability. I mean, I think Tui's has more than he's shown so far, probably. Um, so yeah, I, I think they can. I think they can get there. We barely saw Tui's in the same roles as Pencata. Like he was just basically playing Harbor for a yep. significant yeah. uh, amount of time in, yeah, and even on maps that you would have expected, you know, Pencata esque play style to come out with the the players on this team. Like a sense, they're still switching up the the comps a little bit to make it kind of wonky for a controller to play just by themselves um so yeah i expect them to have way more and what i've talked to fraud about like the work ethic on this team and the young players as well and aspas is included in those young players by the way he's still what 19 or something like that is yeah. like is really 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 promising for for their future so i i think they're i i think they are better right now than the sassy and pancata core um, and I think they'll get way better. I think they still have mm. even way more to show. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I also think a thing we haven't really mentioned yet about this team, but also like, um, I felt like less in this tournament, he was already really impactful um, at champions, but I think in the last few games that they played, it almost felt like he was finding even more value in this one. Like he is still an incredible anchor player. His his lurks were still very, very good in the maps where he was enabled to do that. Um, and for me, I was just super impressed with him um, as an individual. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm also on the train that this team this team is getting closer and closer. I still don't feel like they are quite at that level of the previous team because of some of those moments that you were mentioning, Bala, mostly around some of the some of the coordination stuff, some of the 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 compositional choices with the double duelist stuff. But those are also things that I think can be remedied fairly quickly. And I think they can hit that level, maybe just within this America split. So before we get into more of the America's teams, Josh, you you're you're saying they're they're not they might not be number one in America's. Is that because they're riding the crowd buff. The crowd buff <laughs> was a hotly discussed topic, especially with some of the very audible moments that happened in the tournament, which presumably gave the players essentially wall hacks. How much of a crowd buff do you think that Loud got? We were all there. We were all in the arena during the grand finals and all of their matches, of course. I, I don't think it was that much, personally. personally. I think that the, there's so many elements of the crowd that people don't, um talk about usually like they just they just assume playing in front of crowd equals good and most of the time the people are saying that because it's like a, a mental thing of like oh you have all these people cheering you on and stuff but people don't tend to talk about the fact that the everyone being there expecting you to win also adds an insane amount of pressure onto newer players 
And um, they don't talk about the fact as well that the, I mean, part of what we're going to discuss is the like cheering element that's basically soft cheating, right? But um, that I was actually amazed at how little moments happened where it felt like the crowd was giving stuff away. Because from our point of view, without the noise isolating headphones on, motherfucker, the crowd was so loud and trying to give away everything they could. I mean, it is just essentially soft cheating. But in moments like this, right, where the crowd is loud and then Boaster ends up getting the kill, that smoke was fading in four seconds. So I'm not even sure whether you'd have to talk to Boaster and ask him whether or not that was based on the crowd cheering or whether it was based on him just spamming into the smoke. But I felt like there were many, many moments where someone's crosshair is literally over someone in a smoke. The crowd is going nuts and they're not spamming. And I think the part of that is because you, you don't. You don't know exactly which of the five players they're cheering about. And it, when you're in the moment, you're not trying to, you know, zone into whether or not the crowd is louder. They've got white noise being pumped into their ears constantly too. Like it's, it's pretty effective at getting rid of a lot of the crowd noise, though you can definitely still hear when they're at their peaks and, and troughs. But I, I, I don't feel like, I felt like if anything, Loud had a, Loud were talking about anyway, their, their coach was talking about and the players were saying that they you know, ended up being a bit jumpy when they were in front of the crowd. Like they, they would go for plays that they wouldn't usually go for because they're, you know, they have this feeling of immortality because they've got 7,000 people behind them and the the pressure of it all too. So I, I don't, I think playing in front of a crowd like this adds pressure no matter which side of it you're on. And that is something that doesn't tend to get discussed. It's only that it yep. gets applied to the away team. It's fully like the same argument as like uh, emotional players, like who, who, ride the highs of a hype moment and then they tilt very easily it's the same type of balance like um that a crowd gives you in my opinion where there's highs there's lows like if you if you have a moment that you're about to pop off and then you don't and then the crowd just kind of deflates then that that hurts just as much as you popping off in that moment and giving you the motivation that like the alpha could... air one the alpha air 1v2 where yeah. everybody in the, the crowd just goes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like hundred percent the loud players are there thinking we have fucked this and yep. the crowd is you know the little voices that are inside your head are hard enough to push away when that's all you can hear and when you also have everybody else in the arena reinforcing what your own internal like bad thoughts are saying to you holy shit that's difficult to get over hypoc and i were going down to the main arena area like the very front like right outside the stage mm -hmm. to watch the winning moment of loud making the reverse sweep comeback. We wanted to be there. <laughs> and as soon as we went down there, they won one round. And as that silence just felt like it was compounding the entire time. And I can't imagine how that was affecting the players. Like before that, the, it was getting louder and louder and louder. Like we are about to have this crazy moment in Valorant history. Like I'm sure every in the crowd was thinking it. This is amazing. We're sitting in this hot box. We're dying, but our our home <laughs> team is going to do it. And then it slowly yeah. got worse and worse and worse. And I imagine that affected the players so you're, tremendously. You're saying, you're saying it's your fault, Kurt, huh? You went it down to the bottom it, it and they didn't fault. win around. Don't come to Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> do not go to Brazil. Don't go back. Bali, you were you were mentioning when we were talking, when we were on the desk for that final, you were like, this feels like the Boston Major. And, and oh, it did. Yeah. For those of you that aren't CS fans, it was when Cloud9 came back in Boston to win NA's first and only major win in like a crazy fashion. It was one of like the wildest esports moments. And it, it felt like that for the home crowd. You could feel them building into it. And then like 
that all falling off, like that almost certainly has an effect on the players um, when you hear that, that, that noise disappearing. And it just is kind of, like you're saying, compounding the feelings that you're already having. So I think there's always going to be a plus and a minus for the crowd. And I think in a way, it's always going to even out en- un- uh, enough. People have gotten really angry on the internet about the crowd yelling and like the soft cheating or whatever. But that always happens at crowd games. It never has that big of an impact. People will always be pissed at it. But honestly, in my opinion, it's just kind of part of playing in a stadium where one team has a home advantage and um, hold hold that L, I guess. There, like, it's also, not a big deal. There's also just by the way the broadcast works and by the way the, the um, production works. The screens that the crowds are watching, by the way, are like, 1.5 to two seconds delayed and yeah sure like at, at first when i when i noticed that i was like oh fuck that gives spoilers by looking down at the players or whatever but everybody's glued to that screen so yeah. like the crowd is reacting on stuff that's two seconds late already potentially 1.5 whatever the time might actually be there's already inherent anti-crowd cheating measures in place um which is good and then i agree with maybe like it happens it happens it's not it's not that crazy in most instances like josh said they're cheering for something that Nobody fucking knows who the fuck they're talking about anyway. So it's like, oh, does everybody start shooting their own smoke? Like, no, you have to, you still have to fucking, like, even if, even if you naturally think, oh, they're cheering because somebody is in front of me, like, you still have to think, oh, should I shoot? Because then I give away my position. And what if they're shooting for somebody else? You know, it's like, it's really difficult to, to have that. Also, when you're in that position, like as a player, like you're trying your hardest to just like, drown out the crowd, pump up the noise of your teammates in your headset, like just mm-hmm. fully focus on what's going on. And if you allow yourself to like try and like analyze everything that's going on in the game on top of every every noise the crowd is making in relation to it, I, I think if anything, it's going to hurt your gameplay. So all good. And speaking of all good, shout out to the Brazilian fans booing the non-home teams. I love that. I love the dynamic <laughs> between... <laughs> You yeah. are what our a great guests. segue. We don't like you. I love it. And not to, like they people still showed up for other teams as well. Obviously, uh, what was it? The Rio Major and CSGO, there was like just no one showing up to, for any of the games because there was no Brazilian teams. I, I think that is a problem, but booing, boo them. Cheer, cheer the home fun. team, boo the, the away team. That's how uh, it's got to be. I, I love it. Yeah. I love the dynamic. I agree with that completely. I also love that they booed the the watch parties that were on the screen. Like every oh, time they so saw the good. fanatic watch party, they're booing. But also the the narrative that was going on online that I noticed whenever whenever any of this conversation would come up was that oh they're only turning up for the Brazilian teams. And I thought that that was the case too when I was um, in there in person. Up until there was the first weekend game where there was no Brazilian teams happening. And I can't remember exactly what that was, but it was one of the Saturdays. And I think it was like foot 100 thieves. Was that yeah, and it Saturday? was like an almost that was full a crowd. Sunday. Yeah, and it was a popping crowd when there was no Brazilian teams there at all. So I think actually the, the correlation from being there in person seemed to be much more based on, is it a work day? Is it work hours? Is Carnival going on? rather than is there a Brazilian team there? Now, obviously, the noise in the venue was much larger when there was a Brazilian team playing. But the difference between, like, uh, loud in the final versus, um, you know, NRG in the final or something, I think the arena still would have been full and it would have been a good 
crowd, it just wouldn't have been ludicrous. And it would have been more like, you know, a Copenhagen crowd or, or something like that that we've seen in the past where, yeah, the arena's full and people are enjoying the game, but they're not, you know, utterly passionate, driven driven and crying when their team loses, you know? It's not that level to 11. Um, so I, I think the Brazilian crowd is getting way too much shit on them for only caring about their own teams when they actually were turning up whenever it was the weekends. You could see it in when we were there in person. It well, was directly correlating with the, the weekday weekend effect. There was that uh, energy loud... DRX talent like drop off significantly on the same day where that was a weekend sure. and whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree. Like been way too much shit for, and even, and let me, even in instances that they don't show up for other, other teams, like I don't really care that much. Like there's a, there's a difference between esports events and sports events. Sure. Like I get that, but esports events are so unique in the fact that you have to buy tickets for, uh, a random occurrence that yeah maybe your team isn't there and sure some people will probably still go but that's just also not necessarily a guarantee that like every fan is going to want to care for every single team and i also think that esports in general right now is much more influencer much more player focused much more organization focused than than it ever has been in the sense that like back in starcraft it's like oh we're really going for igl pro league or yeah. fucking whatever or the e-league major or whatever in this case like i think most people are now going for loud they're going for Tarek. they're going for fucking gaulis or whatever I mean, just just like look at like the the makeup of the crowd of how many people had like loud jerseys on when they were where when they were there it, it was fucking everyone like there are a lot of valorant fans in brazil but also there's a burger king menu item that is the loud burger like <laughs> Loud is loud is kind of everything in that region. It is like the org. So it's understandable that people want to show up and are more willing to watch their, their own team than than like 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 DRX versus talent. Like it's just a lot easier and, to be emotionally invested when it's and, your home team. And you should want that. You should want that passion too. Yeah. So like the opposite where you want you want generic fans, okay, well then they're not gonna be as passionate is is not the right thing. And also when you bring up Josh, the fucking watch party booing thing too, that just put in my head the vision of an actual fucking other audience, another stadium filled with fanatic fans somewhere, fucking booing back whenever the crowd yeah, yeah. is on the other. <laughs> that is very much a possibility in in this esport where we have three international events a year or whatever, and people are going to prep for that that type of idea. People are going to continue to boost the watch party idea, and we could actually just fucking genuinely have home and away crowds and and have a a, a solution against people not showing up to games uh, in their home country when there's no home team playing. That is fun still. I think you just have to live in that time. I think. Yeah. This makes me hope just so badly that we get we get road shows for the international leagues. Like imagine having like an an America's like final weekend, like the you know I don't know if you guys know about like with league for their like big international events, they like jump around to different places. Like Worlds this year was in Atlanta and in New York and in San Francisco and they change around. Like imagine like an America's like final weekend where it like you go to New York, you go to like, you, you go like Mexico City, you go Brazil, and you get like the different crowds in different places. Like, I know that's a huge thing to ever happen, but getting to have those different crowds and cash in on those different audiences and lean into the fact that people are gonna be biased towards their teams is awesome. Yeah, I, I, I think what's going to happen with Valorant is I think um, people are gonna be fans of regions and people from like energy fans are gonna be rooting for loud fans. Maybe that is unrealistic. The thing, but I, I I see it. I see people being hard 
in favor of their region no matter what. Uh, I think that's a very uh, hopeful outcome because the, the counterpoint to all of this is that if the teams are not doing well that are in the home region, the crowds are going to be kind of mid. Um, <laughs> and you, you really don't want that. The, the Tokyo crowds are still going to be popping even though there's True. no yeah. Japanese teams there. True, but I think that's, I think that's a special case. I don't think it's going to be like that really anywhere else. I mean, hopefully I'm wrong. Um, yeah, enough about loud, enough about the crowd buff. Let's talk about who we think is the number two team in Americas. Um, Josh, you were saying that you might think loud is the, potentially the number two team, even though they were the top performing Americas team. Well, I wouldn't rank them at number two at the moment, right? But I think at the end of this split, it's very possible that you could see Loud in number two or even number three position. Because I actually think the top three is so stacked in Americas currently. To me, it looks like, from the outset, that we've got Loud, NRG, and Leviathan as the three teams that are really going to do something. I think Cloud9 had a chance at being up there too, but they're, you know, what they <laughs> showed was... Well, but they're, they're sh they're, what they actually showed at lock-in was, you know, they had some maps that they would fucking destroy on. They looked like the best team in the in the world on them. Some teams where they went disappeared, and now they've broken up their roster, so who, who gives a fuck anyway? But the uh, the top three looks really intriguing for Americas, and I could definitely see any of the three of them actually winning it when it comes to the online, or not online, but like the, I guess, what are we going to call it? The regular right. season portion? Regular yeah. season. Yeah, the regular season portion, I could see any of the three of them coming out on top, heading into the top seed into Tokyo. So I want to talk about energy. I think we this topic should be, I guess, could be reserved for those three teams. We've already talked about Loud. So let's talk about energy and then Leviathan. How do you guys feel about energy's uh, performance in lock-in? If they were to beat Loud, do you think they would have made the grand finals? Yes. Yes. That's it. Good. Short, concise. That's, that's let's it. move Thank on. Thank you. Um, Next topic. So I, I guess like another huge point for energy is that they made two big changes. Uh, they added artists and Som. I don't think too many people had much expectations for Som. He played all of the controllers and he overperformed on pretty much every single map. And artists lived up to the hype. He was fantastic in the tournament. Um, do you think that the, these two new additions to the team are going to get even better with time, or was it just a flash in the pan? Was it a honeymoon period? Uh, especially... I kind of disagree with the term lived up to the hype for artists. Okay. Because I think the hype for artists was, Ye was a chamber player. He could play chamber really good, but we never saw him on any other agents. I think most people's expectation was like, holy shit, NRG has became artists. This is going to expand their agent pool. They have someone who can play Raze really well, can play Jet really well, can play KO, can flex onto a controller. Who knows? He can do it all. But what we actually saw, I feel like, was artists having some really good maps on Jet and looking like a star, but still not really matching that yay superstar level, and playing maps where he's flexing onto the KO or Raze, and he looks good, but not great. Not up to that like insane like star power that people expected out of him. Still, I think Psalm's individual performance helped make up for that. Like, he absolutely showed up much more than people expect. But this NRG team, I think, at least from what we saw at this initial event, looked like a solid squad. Looked like a team with some good ideas, some good coordination that implemented their new players well, but didn't feel like they have that same absolute insane, like, star potential to pop off in the same way that I saw from Leviathan and from Loud. 
I, I want to dig a bit deeper into that too, because I, I had the same initial impression as Mimi that NRG were very feast of farming based on where artist was. But I think what he actually showcased from his raise on Pearl was, was really good. Mm. He was pounding in that game he was. Um, where it was loud that they were playing against. Right. He, yes. he went, he went fucking bonkers. He was keeping them in it, had so many great moments. And then his jet, I mean, we don't need to talk about it. It was just fantastic. Right. But then I think the, the big problems were probably more to do with compositional choice than they were to artists, artists' comfortability on them. Like, I, I think that it doesn't really make sense, even though Artis was fine on the Sage on Icebox, to have him playing that when he can, when he has the potential to be your star player. I don't think it makes too much sense to have him playing the Sage and be playing this very, like, structured system. They still actually found a bunch of success with that, so fair enough. But it makes even less sense to me when you see him playing the Killjoy on Lotus. I, yeah, I'm sure he can play it, but I don't think that... I don't think you're getting the best out of him there. Um, I, I, on Split, I'm not even going to dig into that because I think they utterly trolled their whole game plan. And I don't think that, like, Artis' KO or whatever the hell he was playing on that map was the reason that they lost by any means. But I think that there is more unexplored potential in getting value out of Artis' um, uh, flexibility. But the question is, when Artis takes a step back, if you want Artis to take that, like, more supportive role on the team or a role where he's just kind of filling a gap then who actually becomes the big player like the star player and it felt like on on icebox you're getting huge performances out of some so you're actually kind of making up for the fact that uh, artist isn't there but on lotus and on um uh split i i just i, I don't know even who was supposed to be in that kind of position like uh, was it is, is that where Victor's supposed to be popping off or something? I don't know. I just didn't I didn't get it. I didn't understand the game plan. It feels to me like they get much more value out of just having comps working around artists being in that playmaking position. Yeah. And it's interesting to contrast it to old energy too, because uh when they were optics, so much of their their setup was built around like, okay, we have we have Ye Chamber and we're gonna we're gonna put Victor on dive. We're gonna build these setups around like creating space for him to walk up get a kill with Chamber, be able to teleport out, whatever, finding so much value for him. And in this one, it feels like it was kind of the the team identity in question. And if you compare that to some of the other, just the other America's teams that are in the running for top three at this tournament, it is strikingly different. Leviathan really leaned into putting Taco on the race on the jet, putting a lot of resources into him. It was the same thing with Loud and Ospos. Well, we ha he, there were those moments we talked about earlier where he was kind of off doing his own thing. It was a little bit weird. They were still trying to invest in compositions that let him be that star. I think NRG can make it work with this current approach where they are leaning into more flexibility, more structure. I think FNS is a great caller who is good enough to get that done. And it's clear that they put in the work to get to a really high level with that. But it does feel like the resources might be better used with some change to that. I don't even know. I Yeah, I think maybe you just are able to full send artists on jet rays and whatever. But for me, it was like the flexibility. It feels like they have so much flexibility that they're trying to go deeper than they should and i was looking at the symptom of the the killjoy more than anything and not necessarily artists roles killjoy was swapped between finesse crashes and victor all randomly throughout the the maps as well and i think that was the weird spot that was causing them to have weird places where victor was playing rays and artists was playing ko or whatever because they weren't really clear on who would play the the killjoy but maybe Maybe it's just both. Maybe they're just way too flexible in general. 
I don't know if that's actually even going to be sticking. I mean, obviously, we've seen them be good at a variety of different things now, too. So, like, they just have to choose one, right? That's, and then what? Then they're going to have, they're going to be able to reach their peak. So, I don't necessarily even see it as a problem overall, either maybe just on their performance at this event. All right, let's segue the discussion to um, Leviathan, I guess. I, I, actually, before we go do that, let's talk about Sam, um, because we haven't really touched on him at all. At least I was taking a bathroom break, but he he was hopping off. Like at least there was a lot of highlight moments from him. I think him playing five different uh, controllers, all the controllers in the tournament, is uh, is pretty impressive. I don't think too many people had many expectations for him going to the tournament. How do you feel about him going forward with NRG? Is he going to be a star player or is he going to uh, fall off? Was this say a honeymoon period for him or or what? I think he's going to be good. I mean, uh, I didn't have that high expectations for him because he's just so new to the smokes role. He hadn't really played it whatsoever. And mostly what I'd seen from some is kind of like, like run it down mid brainless duelist behavior in his matches. Uh, that was the epitome of some gameplay that you were getting from him when he was on uh, NRG in the past. They, they played their best when some was fully empowered to go and take as many duels as possible and was supported by the team, like, playing super aggressive. And that, that to me, didn't seem like it was going to go well into becoming this controller player. Um, but his decision-making was smart. He's clearly got a huge amount of skill. Um, and his teammates were supporting him very well. Um, like, the highlight plays that he would get around yellow, his teammates are distracting for him and making sure he only has to look at one angle. He's never left on his own. He's always just... You know, darts are getting broken for him. His crosshair is just focused forward at all times. And I think that he's probably just going to get better and better on the roll. I think that he'll be asked to do a bit more in the future in terms of, like, the, the supporting his teammates in other more fluid scenarios, too. I think that his utilities only bound to improve. Um, I think he's going to continue being a, a very good player for this squad. I think he's going to be up there as one of the best uh, controllers in the region. Agree. So I'm good. So is, is this NRG team better than Leviathan from what we've seen? Um, Leviathan obviously being the other team that we're going to be talking about here as the number two team in Americas. Is NRG better than Leviathan? A lot of the scrim bucks were saying going into the tournament that this team is going to win. Multiple players have tweeted like King is the best player in the world. Leviathan is unstoppable. I've never, I think Som tweeted, I've never been destroyed so hard by a team uh, when I was playing against Leviathan, they fell yeah. short. Why? Well, I mean, th those rumors are a lot of them are coming from the games against NRG as well. So, like, <laughs> you know, there's there's like a distinct um, weirdness in talking about Leviathan versus NRG domestically because the NRG players are just gassing this team up like no, the, like there's no tomorrow. I think Leviathan looked really strong up until they didn't, which is pretty similar to the uh, performance that they'd had in a previous tournament too. But their, their map pool to me just doesn't look good enough at the moment to be lifting a trophy or winning something incredible. They have like Ascent where they look really good. And then what else? They, they looked like okay on Haven, um, but not amazing. I mean, they still went like 16-14 or whatever it was against uh, Vitality. Um, what, what other maps did they actually demonstrate being good at? Yeah, for me, I just like there's mm -hmm. all these rumors and they have insane player quality and they 
just there's just nothing else. There's no there's no other it factor to their to their game compared to a Navi, compared to a Fnatic, compared to an Energy. Like they just have insane player quality, and that's great. But where is that scrim bucks coming from? And and are you ever going to show it in a game? Whereas like other teams that have have had good scrim reputation or whatever leading into events like Gambit or um, whatever some other teams, I always look at the officials and then go, oh wow, there's like there's real stuff there. Like this is really well thought out. And it's been the same with with owner led teams before. Where I'm just like I don't get it. I don't get why. This team is able to do what they do and also why people are so hyped about them in the first place. I think a lot of what it is and what's been a case with other owner teams in the past is just like they don't have any crazy insane answers to the meta. They don't have any like deranged like hyper insane IGL who's making like the perfect call deranged. to like circumvent something. <laughs> but what they do have is a team with insane player quality that has really, really focused heavily on just like being on the grind set of drilling their fundamentals and being fairly, fairly structured in the way that they're just like taking space, executing sites. Like it, it feels like Leviathan if they are like something. It's just like the epitomes of like we always meme on like the fundies team or something like that. But there's no there's no like crazy it factor. I agree with that. But what they have is five players that are all really good and can pop off and solid coordination between them. Like they have good utility on their executes. Their mid rounds are solid. They got overcooked a couple times, but generally I think King was making some good decisions, particularly on their ascent. But there wasn't that depth. And I think that goes back to the Maple discussion. Their fracture looked tragic. It looked like they had like absolutely like no idea what they wanted to do on their defensive side to take space and shut down Navi's game plan. They just froze in that one. So I think this team should be top three off of those those previous factors because I think just those things are enough to push them over the line against most of the other America's teams. But I think some of the stuff we were talking about at NRG is there was some of that it factor. It's the, the FNS calling, which we've seen before. It was Salm actually looking like a superstar. And I think it was some more interesting ideas out of that team, even if some of them didn't work out. I think once we see more maps from this team, you might have a better understanding of like how good they actually are. Because I said they didn't demonstrate a good map pool, but they actually only played on four maps out of the entire tournament. Um, yeah. And Fracture was one that they were second round banning every time. They first round banned Split every time. They second round banned Fracture, I think, every time as well. And uh, ended up having it picked against them in the game against uh, Na'Vi. So... Out of that, they didn't. The, the maps that should be kind of in the middle of their pool that we didn't get to see are Icebox and Lotus. Um, Zeta banned both of those. Uh, Vitality banned both of those against them. And then in the Navi game, they just kind of got left to the middle and uh, and and not really not really picked uh, until you know the the very last round of bans. Both teams got rid of them. So I think you know maybe Leviathan are really good on both of those maps and just didn't feel like they should be going towards them in the veto or something. I think it's I think it's hard to say because what really did them in at the end is that a lot of teams are incredible on ascent. They are really, really talented on ascent, but also so are loud, so are Navi, so are, I mean Fnatic are actually pretty good on ascent now too, right? They they ended up taking that map um in the finals. So if your best map, if the map that you're known for is a map where other people are also insane you, you just lose an inherent advantage in your uh, map veto situations when you r run into other top teams. You can smoke all of the lower-level teams, but you need more depth. Speaking of lower-level teams, we were hyping up 100 Thieves as 
potentially a world beater team. I think a lot of people going into this tournament, at least in North America, were like, this team's going to do it. 100 Thieves fell way short of NA's expectations. Um, I personally was very disappointed in them. I think they made teams like EDG and Foot look really good. Were they really good? And then they got smoked by Fnatic. That was their that was their tournament start to finish. Remember that episode where we were ranking people's like reaction or how they would come out of from the chamber patch, and we were like, Hundred Thieves, probably the best <laughs> because they have Cryo, who's good on Jet, and so it's gonna be okay. Meanwhile. Nope. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the 100 Thieves lab, we shall buy a jet player for an extraordinary buyout and then not play him on jet. <laughs> like, what the fuck are they smoking out there? I don't know, man. It felt to me like, the, the, weirdly, the first desk that we did where I, was, um, where I was looking at Cryo's games, we had Cryo's old coach, Don Psycho, on the desk with us too. And I, I was talking about, like, the integration of cryo into the team and having a conversation with him and it really felt like to me and also i you know i don't want to put words into his mouth but the there was some agreement there too that 100 thieves were forcing cryo to adapt to their situation rather than picking up a star player and building around his strengths they just used him as like another um another hyper flexible tool that they could having their arsenal, where that's not what Cryo's demonstrated over the course of his career. He's demonstrated that he's still a young player that needs molding, but has insane talent on these, like, contact-fragging-based agents. Mate, watching Cryo play Raze was way worse than I thought it was going to be. I gave Cryo way more, like, you know, credit that he'd be able to pull off other duelist picks like that, but he, he was not supported to take good fights even when he was on agents like Jet, and then just kind of thrown to the wolves without looking that great on his other picks. Like, the the raise in particular was very disappointing from an individual level. Didn't he miss every single raise alt that he shot in the entire yes. tournament? Yeah, That's my man needs to play some Quake Live. <laughs> <laughs> That is, that is not good. So going back on what I said earlier, do you guys agree that they made EDG look good? Did they make foot look good as well? Or were EDG and foot surprising teams? Because going into this tournament, I think a lot of people put 100 Thieves like way up there, partially because they had an easy route to the finals. No, I don't, I don't think that they made them. I think those teams genuinely looked good, especially EDG particularly. That team was scary. I mean, Kang Kang was a fucking beast and chichu as well like there was definitely moments in that where i'm just like wow edg uh, actually is a major threat and i was actually surprised that hundred thieves was able to put them down in the end because they sh they almost lost that game honestly probably should have lost yeah. that game and if it wasn't for like stellar heroic spamming through a viper's pit which was a good play but um but i don't i don't think they made him look good not in the same way like so. liquid look made secret look oh good. well yeah i mean liquid are fucking liquid need to be investigated <laughs> but let's talk about 100 thieves first because i i do think that 100 thieves made edg look a bit better because there's some stuff that i was expecting 100 thieves to be really clean at like their retakes on pearl for example right and actually what we saw was that their B retakes looked a lot better in the prior patch when they had will in the team and they were playing at champs and they did in in this um 
Which, which round is, is this the fucking silly round where Kang Kang 1v2s them, 1v3s them on yes. B while they all just peek into him one by one when we don't even know whether they would have had time to plant on A? I mean, just fucking <laughs> silly shit happening all over the place. I also don't think that um, this isn't just a criticism of 100 Thieves, but I think a lot of teams decided to play Lotus without really having a clue what they're doing on Lotus in this tournament. You know, it's quite reasonable. I'm not saying that that's an unreasonable situation. It's a new map, a lot of different approaches to it, but there were a lot of teams that thought they had a good read on Lotus and they sucked. And I think 100 Thieves on their defense side had not a great understanding of what the, the hell they were doing on Lotus. And I think that that made EDG look um, a bit better too. I, I think our expectations of 100 Thieves were that they should have been able to put a team like EDG to bed. I think that... I just don't think it was good enough from them, frankly. Yeah. I, I, first to a team like EDG, you need to have, like, really good, like, structure and ideas and ability to, like, shut down when there's just, like, giga insane, like, Another stupid individual wall, silly way. shit happening. And then it, they were unable to do so. And the the Foot series as well, I felt similar. Like, their 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 Lotus that you were talking about was really rough. Like, even on their attacking side, I felt like they had, like, no idea of how to deal with kiwi and just like the foot game plan wasn't that insane it was good but it wasn't that insane it's like okay half the time we're gambiting a long we're putting down like a sage wall and having our neon tech space the other half the time we're opping and hundred thieves was really really struggling to get a grasp on that i feel like their 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 decision to go for the fade race comp i didn't see the value versus some of the comps that other teams are pulling out and it again goes back to the idea of it doesn't really feel like we're playing to our strengths with the new uh, player we have picked up i do still think that while they have fallen very, very short of expectations in this one. This isn't a all is lost, explode the team kind of situation. This is a, okay, guys, we had kind of a bad read on the meta. We we struggled to implement cryo, but I think that as you've seen in the past with 100 Thieves, this is a this is a core that is very, very good, that is very flexible. You have players like Asuna, like Stellar, who can play a variety of different roles. You can flex stuff around to make cryo more comfortable. And I think this team can be good, but they definitely did fall Giga short of what we expected because we expected the moon from 100 Thieves. I, I also think that the... Yeah. <laughs> okay, so they're going to pop off at Masters. There, there's three spots. They need to break into top three to go to Masters in the first place. And they are not favored to get there. So a Redditor, but, for the audio listeners, a Redditor, I believe his name is Eat Shit Bob Ross, made a <laughs> cycle. And it's just essentially a cycle around the 100 Thieves logo of what is going to happen with 100 Thieves. Right now, they're struggling with Masters 2 lock-in. Apparently, they're going to pop off in Berlin slash Tokyo. They're going to kick Stellar after that for some reason. CS2 is going to come out. They're going to lose Derek <laughs> to that. And then they're going to go back to having a dysfunctional team by getting some PUBG players, Baby J and Eccles. Oh, well, I mean, that that's, that's very, just talking about the prior I don't know if this really makes yeah. sense as a cycle, actually. This is more of it's just a timeline. It's happened twice. We are in the third cycle right yep. now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's worked so far. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, I, I think, though, that um, for the, the, the big takeaway from me is that there's now a lot of pressure, actually, for the Stella Mike's HD core to revamp what they're doing because things were working really well under the former structure of sean mike stella and things were extremely drilled and they had a lot of like go-to strats you know the way that we were talking about fanatic where we said that a lot of the the focus was actually taken off boaster's shoulders a bit by having like uh very good ideas of what they want to do coming into the rounds and so boaster can call like 
hey, we're going to go for this set plan. And every player knows like, okay, this is what we do in this set plan. This is what we do. It's very protocol focused. It's very set play focused as well. That's how 100 Thieves used to be. All of their retakes, super heavy protocol focused. A lot of strats that they were calling from the book instead of just from uh, Stella's head. I didn't see that level of game plan in their, in their games. I didn't see a really concrete idea of what was going on. And I think that, you know, Stella's talked about it in his interview with Wyatt and then also Mike's has talked about it in his interview with uh, Richard Lewis as well, that they've actually gone into a less set play heavy um, structured system underneath Stella because that's the way that Stella likes to call. Well, to me, that you've got to show results at the end of that, right? Like if Stella's been put in a position where he is now you know, more comfortable making those kind of calls. That's all well and good. But you've taken away your strengths of the super set play protocol heavy stuff. So now you actually have to make up for it with better calling than you had in the past. Yep. And while Stella himself looks more comfortable, I don't think that the calling looked better. And now that's really where the pressure lies with Stella and Mike's is getting the value from that other area as you head into the split. They need to be out calling teams and being more fluid and making those good adjustments if yep. they're going to let go of a lot of the set protocol heavy stuff that they were doing well which is why like it was well actually like in hindsight maybe why they had such a good result at red bull was actually they hadn't moved away from it yet and they were just kind of slotting cryo into specific spots where you know there was protocol or whatnot because cool. they looked they looked very good at that tournament that's part of the reason why their expectations got so high in the first place um it was it was it, it was weird too because i thought there was new stuff coming in from from Mike, from Stellar, in in Red Bull entirely, and it didn't feel like they were too far away from that. So, yeah, it's a weird shift, and I agree with you. Like they have to, they have to show results. Not that this isn't, you know, maybe this is the first notch of like, oh yeah, this is bad result or okay result, but it's not like like I agree with Mimi. This isn't like holy shit, we're all gonna fail. This is yeah, let's see what you can do in America's League, and yeah, then yeah. if if not, like let's see you pivot back. Someone needs to hand Nate shot at Juvie. She keep his fucking hands occupied so he does not hit the explode the team button. Keep <laughs> him away. Keep him away. I was watching, there was a clip somewhere of him like on a coach stream watching his team and being like, why the fuck is Cryo not on chat? Why is he, why is he on open? <laughs> oh Dude, oh eventually no. he's going to uh -oh. coach the team. <laughs> uh -oh. Mike and Stella Mike's. are in danger. <laughs> Quick, distracting with another revenue project. Quickly. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I heard there were some layoffs if you want to go make those instead of dropping the team, Nate Shot. Just <laughs> around the corner. <laughs> so, you guys feel like this team at its core, it's fine. They just need to change the direction of the team. Mm, maybe. I think that it'll. I think that the, the summary is that they need better plans for integrating Cryo in and playing to his strengths. And I think that they're going to achieve that by having a lot of that structure that they previously demonstrated rather than just kind of throwing him in there. It, it didn't really, like a lot of the time, Cryo is away from what the rest of the team are doing and they're just trying to passively get value out of him, like, you know, opping an angle on Pearl or something. Or, you know, even when he's integrated, it's not playing to Cryo's strength. He's just another piece of the puzzle. Like he's not a great trading supportive player. He's a he's a, a star that you're supposed to, you know, put on the best angles possible, get value out of him early in the round and then other people can pick up the pieces. All right, speaking of puzzle pieces, uh, Cloud9, they seem to have it put together. They seem to have, uh, they seem to be assembling their puzzle, their, their puzzle to win a championship. This is a terrible metaphor. I'm trying to go, I'm trying to make this work. <laughs> I'm really trying, but it fell apart. And they, they lost, they lost Yay, Yvanity's to follow. 
Rumor has it they lost some sort of crypto sponsorship and they can't afford them anymore. I'm not really sure exactly what is going on with Cloud9, but things do not look good. Can I start this off by saying, my take, having watched the whole tournament, was that Cloud9 probably had the best Pearl and Lotus out of all the teams at the event. And I think that the, that is a really hot take because you can't test it, right? Because they got knocked out so early. But the comps that they were running on that map and the way that they were so fluid with helping each other and they were really fucking weird compositions too. But they looked nasty good on both of those comps, on both of those maps. And then they just explode after dominating DRX in map one, 13-3. And bye-bye, never see them again. Bye-bye, never see this team again. Bye-bye, yeah, he doesn't have a team. Like, it's the fucking stupidest Cloud9 shit I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah. they've been a part of uh, two of the most mysteriously awkward trades in Valorant history so far. Valorant's a pretty young game. This one wasn't even a trade. We're just like, okay, yeah, he's free to go. Have a nice life, man. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, I would agree, though, Lotus. Especially about Lotus. Maybe not about Pearl, I think. Loud's Pearl, Energy's Pearl. Um, not yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But yeah. Yeah, fucking weird. I don't get what's going on. Uh, the fucking video that they put out? Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. The fucking Jack Etienne, their, their owner, and fucking MC sitting next to him, both saying, yeah, we dropped Ye because of role issues that uh, we've been working through for quite some time, by the way. And uh... Mate, Jack Etienne, you can't see his hands in this fucking picture <laughs> because he's got a fucking gun underneath. Pointed at MCE. <laughs> Motherfuckers, say it was wall issues! Say it was wall issues! <laughs> it's it's prime bullshit. That's what it is. Is that a new Twitch feature? Um so look at his face. So why is he? Look at his face. he's blinking in Morse code. The answer. <laughs> <laughs> so so why is Ye gone? They they can't afford him anymore? What oh. is the real reason? Every America CEO is gonna hate us after this episode. Which other, which other CEOs can we get to hate us? I mean, yes, the, the word on the street is that Cloud9 couldn't afford Ye's salary, and they've decided to let him go as a result of that. And the, the fact that they're blaming this now on role issues, to me, is fucking laughable, because there's, there's just no way. I think, Barla, you posted a tweet about it. Like, there's, there's simply no way in which you decide to drop a player of his caliber for role issues after a result like this, there's a massive fuck-up happened at some point in the organization. And so, you know, the, the Cloud9 have also, on their website, I did some small, I mean, like, light-level digging. And like you said, um, Kurt, there was some talk about them losing sponsors recently. And if you look on the, you look on the, the Wayback Machine... <laughs> No, you went on the way back. Yeah, machine. yeah, the way back machine. Now they, so they had a, they had a partnership with, um, with Blockchain. uh, blockchain.com that was started on the third of February, twenty twenty-two. I assume that that was a one-year partnership because that's about when the branding disappeared from the Cloud Nine website as well. Although weirdly, Blockchain.com still lists them as a partner on their website, so I don't fucking understand that at all. But I would assume that that partnership has disappeared. And also BMW, who was previously. Uh, you know, a big name sponsor of the organization and actually a bunch of different esports organizations. Uh, BMW decided to cut all of its spending on esports in the whole of 2023. And they were sponsoring a bunch of different teams like T1, G2, Fnatic, um, uh, Cloud9, a bunch of other teams too. Um, so they've also, Cloud9 have also gotten rid of um, their branding on their website for Puma, 
who they were previously partnering with to make apparel and stuff as well. So I don't know whether someone has, you know, from the Cloud9 side, maybe this is, you know, them losing these sponsors, or maybe it's from the organization's side of, like, not seeing esports as a valid tool when there's a recession on the horizon as well, because that's what a lot of other people in esports have been talking about, the fact that, you know, marketing budgets are some of the first to pull out in those kind of situations. But what, whatever the whatever the reasoning, the word on the streets very heavily is that Cloud9 were having financial issues and were not able to support Yay. And that is a fucking ridiculous situation to have found themselves in. Like, not being able to... It just is absurd that you would find yourself in a situation where the best player in the world of 2022 now probably is not going to be on a team, right? Like, he's probably not going to be on a team because the value that he provides to the team, people don't have freedom in their budgets to that degree anymore because they've already picked up other players that will have severance fees or contracts that require them to be paid money even when they're put on a bench or something. Like, it's not so simple for everyone to just cut their star player down the chain and leave someone in on a fucking... You know the 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 kid that's left out at the end of this yep. um, situation. Three weeks from the fucking split starting, like yeah, it just seems like horrendous mismanagement at some level in the cloud nine cloud nine organization to allow this situation to occur, and the fact that Vanity's also on the way out too. I mean, there's no way that Vanity was commanding a massive salary. So what the fuck is that like? What's going on there? Is, is there this- uh, did he quit out of protest? Are the salaries, you know, is the financial situation really that dire? Have they? Uh, uh, did he just disagree with the direction of the team afterwards? I don't fucking know. But this is a, this is a prime Cloud Nine clown fiesta territory. The same way that it was at the beginning of last year, where they look set up for success and then fucking fall flat on their face within a couple of months, and then they're just going to be probably quite a shit team for the rest of the year. Don't forget, oh, Leaf and Zeppa, what, what a tragedy! They're left on a bad team again. I mean, it's just <laughs> absurd. Don't I forget do when badly. they lost uh, tens as well. When he just decided, "Hey, I don't want to play for your team anymore." By the way, yeah, to suck. Number it three, is. third time trolling. Like, ugh. I mean, I I think it is literally just C nine management issues. Esports not financially solvent issues. Still feels like just so troll. Like, how much were they paying him in the first place? How did they not like have any like foresight that like. This might be an issue in the future because well, that's there's why recession I said, looming. Like, you have to be reasonable in your early negotiations or you're going to end up in these troll situations. That's why I say, like, it has to be, like, a monumental fuck-up to, like... Because it, it's not it's not just, yay, it's vanity. It's, yeah. it's it's everything. Like, it's more than just, oh, we lost a sponsor. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, Dude, it's fucking... It's actually driving me nuts even thinking about it, though. Because Ye is the caliber of player where there is no world in which he doesn't have severance pay negotiated into his contract, right? And so they've they've actually had to fucking pay that severance pay in order to avoid paying him the salary for the rest of the year, too. So it's them taking a fat financial L at the beginning of the year because they know that it's not going to be sustainable for them over the next 12 months. So they are just opting into a... Like opting into a horrendous situation for the next year. This is not a short-term thing that they're going to bounce back from. This is them paying a lot of money to get rid of a star player that they originally paid a buyout fee for. Like, it's fucking ludicrous, man. It makes no sense. Even when even when George Geddes was talking about, I think it was George Geddes, that the buyout fee was not as big as Cryos, right? That was something that he tweeted, that it, it wasn't, um, you know, the, the largest buyout fee of the offseason or anything like that. So... The, the buyout fee for Ye 
the the again word on the street is that it was under half a mil which might not i mean without some level of context maybe those numbers don't mean too much but that is not like the cloud nine buyout for or rather the sentinels buyout for tens was 1.25 or something mil that is it like I think I had a 250k loan for the first Masters, and then it was a mill after that. It got reported, like, and that's for when the game was in a smaller state. Salaries were smaller as well. Although Tens does have, you know, huge um, content creation uh, value to the organization as well. But the the fact that you have managed to, you know. Get yourself into a situation where you're paying a fuck ton of money for a player and then just immediately dropping them a couple of months later is madness. Do you guys think that Riot was worried about this? Because I don't think Cloud9 was going to be in the Franchise League until the Andrew Tate situation happened with G2, right? They were the team that got slotted yeah. in after. So yeah, that, that Riot was, report, was probably yeah. worried about this type of stuff from Cloud9, which is why they were not originally added to franchise I but i feel like how could you have been worried about this kind of yeah. situation because cloud nine in the past has been a leader in terms of getting sponsors online and selling against their organization like the, in the in the history of cloud nine you would expect them to be one of the at least from my outside perspective one of the most stable organizations to have uh, as a partner so i'm not even really sure i don't get it why they weren't in the first round of partnerships in the first place but maybe this is like something that was spotted internally that isn't easily uh, visible from the outside. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Very fucking weird situation, though. And they've essentially trolled the entire league in Americas. Real quick. Is he going to NRG? No. <laughs> no. Is nope. he going to any franchise team in NA? Is there a chance that he goes outside of NA or Americas? He's going to be say? EG's 11th man. <laughs> okay, so I, I just want to... I want to pose a question, right? You are a fictional GM here, Kurt, right? And so just to answer this question, like where where could he go? You're a fictional GM. You already have a star player, right? You have someone. It can be anyone, artists, you know, cryo, fucking somebody over in EMEA, CNED, whatever. But you're paying them a certain amount right now. It's probably less than you should be paying somebody like Ye, but obviously Ye's value has gone down because there's less opportunities. But anyway, you, you have a certain amount that you're paying them in salary. They've almost certainly, if they're a star player, negotiated some kind of severance fee into their package. So if you want to drop them or want to put them onto the bench or whatever, then there's going to be some cost involved in that anyway. So it's going to cost you money to get Ye into the team. And then it's also going to cost you at least the same amount of money in salary because I don't really see you being able to get Ye for less. Maybe if Ye's desperate to play, then his salary would reduce until the point where it would meet, reach a, a, an equilibrium in the market like that. But are you really going to get rid of somebody that's currently already working with you, pay their fee to sever them, and then add yay to your roster? I just, who's going to do that? I have no it's idea. It's going to cost you so much money to do that. Who are the English-speaking teams that he could even join? Like, in Americas, all right, there, there's EG, 100 Thieves, Sentinels, NRG. Sentinels is not fucking dropping tens to pick this guy up. Not possible. NRG, I, I can see no world where they drop artists to, to pick him back up. Because I'm sure artists cost a hell of a lot of money and the severance would be very expensive. Does EG have enough money to pick him up? Would Ye even want to go that direction? 100 Thieves isn't going to want to get rid of Cryo. Like, it, it feels like he's out of options in America. You, you go international and, and even then, 
who who are you like global esports yay who's left <laughs> in, in like so franchising awesome. do it that would be so awesome i mean bleed have been bleed have previously been throwing their cash around <laughs> i mean that's just what about teams like the guard they have a ton of money yeah they just fucking they fired everybody from their organization they used to they they, they used, don't well, they, they still have a ton of money. They just don't want to spend it anymore. Yeah, the parent organization <laughs> does, but it's not being given to the, the, to the kids. Crunky bucks dried up. They will yeah. not allow it. Like I, the, the I thing think is, the like, only just... I think the only reasonable scenario is when if a team has a star player that has something in their contract that either means that they have a very low severance fee or that they have like a drastically reduced salary if they're put on the bench. Like, you know, if you're put on the bench, your salary gets cut to 50% or 20% or something like that. If someone's got that in their contract and they're a star player to the point where it might make it feasible for Ye to join if Ye was on a very reduced salary, maybe you see a move like that happen. Ye to but, Koi. You heard it here first. Ebay's <laughs> about to drop the bucks. Yeah. Replace Wolfen. Ye the Ebay to Koi. Get, get Wolfen out of there. I, I think the most likely scenario is that he just gets trolled. Yeah. So yep. probably we're just not going to see the best player of 2022, 2023. It's going to become a co-streamer. We'll probably see him as the season goes on. Like right before roster lock, one team is like down in the dumps and they're like, fuck, we got to make a change. Like 100 Thieves or something. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could actually see that could happening. see that. I we have actually, to. Yeah. We have but to he's not going to play opening day. We gotta speed things along because Wilkinson has uh, an appointment to attend in a, True. A, a few minutes. So I want to do one more topic before we get into our tier list. And Bala, I, I kind of want to bring this to you. Uh -oh. Who is the most disappointing team in Lockin? Team Liquid. Team Liquid. Team Liquid. It's not even. It's not even close. It's Team Liquid. So sad. Whoa, worst performance out of even the teams that I expected to be bad, and they did play bad. It's still Team Liquid. That was the worst I think you could have ever seen anybody play at a lock-in tournament for partnerships. <laughs> oh my god! It was it was so bad. Like people didn't know where to go. People weren't breaking darts. People weren't doing anything. Team Liquid looked so troll. And the only saving grace was Nats, of course, which is crazy because Safe is on this team, and I really like Safe and Redgar is a good IGL, but he didn't show it at all. Not even a little bit. So right now, are they uh, one of the worst teams in EMEA? Like, bottom five? Nah, still not on paper, no, but, I mean... If they play like that. By the performance? Dude, I, they, I, can't, I can't physically put Team Liquid bottom of the EMEA power rankings when we get there, but, but by this result, yes, I would. I mean, they, they won five rounds on attack. They won five rounds out of 24 on attack. <laughs> if you look at how they were pathing on the attack side and what they were doing and how they were covering for each other, I think, I think if, 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 this was, if this was CS, there would be a match-fixing investigation happening because that was fucking abysmal from Liquid. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, obviously I'm not saying that I really think that, but it's to that degree. It's like you watch the game and you're like, what the fuck is going on with these players? They've all played in top teams before, and they are just, like, 
the, like they've been, you know, you know, the fungus that infects ants brains and causes them to just walk in random directions until they eventually infect other ants and the, the fungus takes over. It feels like watching that when you watch Team Liquid play on their attack side against Secret. They have no clue what they're doing. They they fell to pieces completely. And I didn't even think that their defense sides looked that horrible. But you can't you you can't play that badly with people that have won Masters events and made it deep in tournaments and like what you know, won EMEA LCQ and all the rest of it. Like these are these are talented players and they are just botting it up in the server on their icebox and fracture attack rounds. It was embarrassing. It was really embarrassing. Plus there was there... like not even any any spark of innovation. There was no creativity. There was, yeah, it was fucking weird. Uh, genuinely, every single round, some player was strolling. Like some player was walking around like that ant. The immediate question I have is why is are they so bad? Like obviously teams that are fully revamped, or I wouldn't say fully revamped, they just have three new players. Still pretty big changes. Um, why was it so much harder for Liquid compared to other teams that have made uh, similar role changes? And do they have any chance at being that fourth team going into Tokyo? Um, why is a very difficult question. I'm not sure why they looked so bad. I think that they're... They look like when they've put the team together, they haven't... I mean, it looked like they hadn't scrimmed together for very long, but I don't know whether that's true or whether that's just because... You know, the practice hasn't been particularly effective. But it looked like they hadn't gone over the basics. It may be because some players that were, you know, that have changed roles don't quite understand what's expected of them in their new role. Or maybe, you know, on, on Liquid, someone else was doing something important. And now that these two cores have joined together, that's not being done anymore. Whether that's like someone's pushing forward to defend Cream the spike. Was doing or... everything correctly. Holy shit. <laughs> I just mean in terms of player roles, right? Like when you blend two rosters together, there's no guarantee that you get the player that would always, you know, cover the the top angle on Icebox or whatever. Or there's no guarantee that you always get the player that would be playing really aggressive and drawing attention towards themselves to allow the spike plan to go down. Like the the small things that make a team coherent on the attack sides, they have to be talked about and thought through, not just randomly assume that everything's going to work when you shove five players together. And to me, it just looked like they'd been shoved together. I mean, it looked very out of sync. It felt like they literally took, like just like put the team in the oven for like three seconds, took it out, said it was fully baked, said it's good to go. It, it felt like maybe it wasn't enough scrim time. Maybe it was choking on stage. Maybe it was a combination of that and other factors. We'll never know why, but surely this team can be saved. Surely it can be saved. They have some time before the EMEA League. They have a, what, a full month. Plus, they, they got sent home, like, immediately. So they have, like, a month and a half, really, to, to prep for this one. They have insane player quality. We've hyped these players up infinitely. They will be better than they were at this event because this event was rock bottom. But how much better can they get in this amount of time? I can't really answer that question. The players didn't even look like they were in good form, though, right? Like, yeah. Nat's map one didn't look great. Although map two, he started showing off, you know, why people... Uh, respect him as a player so much it's also Safe, one series yeah yeah for sure for sure but i mean the the decision making was unusual compared to what you'd expect from a player of of, of all the times that we've watched nats in the past and i think that safe also on fracture was getting caught in really odd scenarios where you just don't expect somebody that good to be stuck like that I think a lot of it is going to come down to just the team has no idea what each other are doing. When so you, you just said, get caught in these weird situations. When you said that shit about safe, 
like getting caught out. It just reminded me of a round on Icebox where the fucking people were just like bumping into each other while they're trying to get ready for an execute. Yeah. They were just fucking walking into each other like lemmings and falling off of pipes and jumping back up. It was it was tragic. And people are people are telling me, oh fucking bias casters saying liquids suck when they're supposed to be good. Motherfucker, this is the biggest <laughs> fall off we've seen from any team ever compared to what they're supposed to be on paper. I, I, I think played we're right, too much of attention. They played one match. They lost it. Maybe they weren't taking the tournament super seriously. I mean, that that's is, my team, though, man. That's my. I'm team. sorry. We'll we'll see them the in poo. the split. See how they do. Um, but we're, we are running low on time. We can blame Wilkinson on that. He wants to spend time with family. I can respect that. But let's do our tier list. We got to do a tier list. But before we do the tier list. Sentinels, Sentinels, Sentinels. All right, the algorithm. Sentinels. We said Sentinels. <laughs> Sentinels, DRX. Um, what other teams that have clout? Tens, tens, Zeta tens, Division, Zeta tens. Division, Zeta Division. Shroud, shroud, shroud. All right, cool. All right, let's Tarek, go to Tarek, the Tarek. let's go to the tier Epic list. Reactions. Um, so the way we're gonna do the tier list here is I'm going to place a team in a tier, and you guys can tell me. How wrong I am. Obviously, we have Fnatic at S tier. They won the event. They looked fantastic. Start with the 100 Thieves. I'm going to throw them right in B tier. How do you guys feel about that? I think there's going to end up being too many teams in the B tier, to be honest. I think, oh, they, yeah. I think they were probably, as annoying as it is, the like bottom level of A. But I think even, that, that might be too generous to them. They might end up being top B. I think B is very fair. I think they had a couple good ideas. They won some matches. The core looked good. The implementation of Cryo, pretty bad, but with ton faith in the team. I think middle of the pack, very reasonable. Cloud9, I'm not going to judge their performance. I'm just going to put them in D tier. <laughs> yeah, let's just move on. Reasonable. DRX, I don't think they deserve S tier, to be honest. They played nope. the maximum amount of maps possible this tournament um, before losing to Loud. Yep. And also... Their fucking post plants, their just their entire game plan on two maps are just fucking full sending post plants and just not having a great understanding of what else to do, um, which is weird given that we saw Loud literally use their same comps and do a completely different game plan. So I don't really get it. Not S tier. We're not uh, able to Sorry. adapt the same way the other top teams are. No, it's fine. Move on. Let's speak. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pumping through this list. We can make some adjustments afterwards. Evil geniuses. People were clowning on them going into the tournament. They had some success. They looked pretty good. I think they were in the same tier, actually, as 100 Thieves. I think you need to make space for some of these dog teams. They're, there's going to be some teams between 100 Thieves and EG, for sure. But I think they're in the same tier, actually. Okay. Okay. Respect that. Lavia Tom with their old logo. By the way, one thing I noticed about this logo, you know how it's like expanded, there's like little lines and stuff. It says Leviathan around wow. the outside. Wow. Isn't that crazy? crazy? That is wow. a very bad logo. I'm glad they <laughs> took away the letters. I like when it's just the dragon. Anyways, think I think they're A tier higher than DRX, in my okay. opinion. Um I think that lower they than lower than DRX. You're lower trolling. than DRX. They don't have enough of a map pool that they demonstrated yet. Yeah, that's no. fair. That's fair. But it I still think they are A tier. I think those teams are fairly close. Liquid. 
Oh wait, Liquid, Liquid D. Liquid D put them below Cloud9. They would lose to Cloud9. Below the shattered remnants of Cloud9? They would lose the 3v5. They would lose the 3v5 to Cloud9. But surely they are better No, but we're rating it on form. We're rating it on form. On form? I'm rating them on reality. fucking mean? Okay, alright, whatever. I won't win. Okay, fine. I'll just concede. BBL? C. They took a map off of DRX. C. Detonation Gaming, no. honestly, D. I don't remember a single round that Bottom they played. Bottom D. Furia, they looked impressive. A. a, low A. No, 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 I don't, mm, I don't think they're A tier. I think they're probably, I think they're, I think they're like around the same level as 100 Thieves. Do you think they'd beat 100 Thieves? I think they'd beat 100 Thieves. MW is the fucking truth. Digizin mm -hmm. is the truth. They're actually fucking creative with it too. I don't know. I didn't look into the details of the map pool or whatever. I can't make that argument, but uh, better than 100 Thieves. Probably. Creative, good adaptation. Digizin and MW Zara are fucking goats. They have, they have good. They will be good. <laughs> better owned, than 100 Thieves. Owned good. Wilkinson. Sit down. Okay. Sit down. All right. Speaking of good, Kiwi, I've never heard of this guy going into the tournament. Are we going to be seeing his name pop up more frequently? Um, yeah, because we'll be playing a match off. every week. Is that? <laughs> I said, yeah, because we'll be playing a match every week. Shut up, dude. We don't cover <laughs> EMEA on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they belong about that. Probably, right? I think you could argue for like bottom B, like below EG, but I think there will be too many B tier teams. So I think C is correct. Okay. Gen G. I did not watch their match, uh, but apparently oh, they were very good. They're good. Yeah, they're, they're actually legit. I think they belong in the B tier. I think uh, they actually weirdly impressed me about as much as uh, EG, maybe a bit better, but we just didn't see enough of them. So I don't think you can put them too high because they only played one game, but they, they looked really fucking good. All right, Global Esports. Were any of oh. you guys surprised by Global Esports' performance? Obviously, the project that they are building is very ambitious. And they obviously didn't perform super well. Um, but do you think they have potential going forward? Yeah, I kind of do. I actually think they played a bit better than Foot even. On, really? Cause Foot, yeah, because I think Foot had like a couple of maps where they popped off. But Global, Global had like the first game where they just choked so badly. But their game plan was still actually really solid on split. Their players were just choking like uh, absurd amounts. And then taking a map off Vitality, um, and then Yeah, I, I think I think they looked decent. I think it's I think it's somewhat equivalent with a team like Footballist, actually. Yeah. Do you think SK Rossi is gonna perform better over time? I think it seemed like he had the land jitters and like so much pressure on him as well to perform. I think he will get better. Yeah. I think we even saw it within the series. He was giga-shitting the bet on split. He was actually having a lot of impact on Pearl. Like him and, uh, who was playing Jetta on that map? Was it, it was Texture. Him and Texture were having a lot of value on their defense, like pushing with the KO Jet. I don't love the comp that they were playing, but I think they played it well, and they took a map off Vitality, which is impressive enough for me to put them in C, and to see potential in the future with them. Giants. Mid B. Not A? Mid B? EG tier. EG tier. Really? Yeah, okay. maybe a bit better than EG. They gave yeah, I don't know. EG. I think EG, we've kind of brushed EG under the rug a bit, but they had some really good set play ideas, EG. The, the um, Fade Yoru stuff was sick. But all of their like actual teamwork and, you know, like the, the 
the fundamental stuff kind of fell over. I think Giants are around the same level, but with different strengths. I have a question real quick. Does Giants beat 100 Thieves? No. Yes. I, I, no. They have the explosivity they... that they, they have two explosive players that match the same level that are better than the same level of the teams that the 100 Thieves face. I think Giants beat 100 Thieves. I agree. Oh, maybe. Do they beat Fuck. Furia as well? Fatinho dropped, no, what, 36 on NRG? Like, fucking went crazy. Yeah. Fatinho yeah, is, get, in fact, the truth. Then they got kind of they blown out the next two maps yeah. I completely. Yeah, I didn't watch those maps. <laughs> <laughs> Based, I guess. True. Um, rumor oh, has it Kesnit's coming crew. back. They, they just got dumpstered by Na'Vi. But yeah, with the addition of Kesnit, they should move. They should be at least a C-tier team. But I don't know where, because they just got rolled by Navi, and like, I don't know, we didn't even get to see it. Their Lotus was actually fairly close versus Navi. Like, they almost came back in the second half. I don't no, really they, remember they that game lead. very It was 9-3. Well. Oh, that was the game they yeah. choked when Navi had the insane second half. Okay. Yes. But also, Navi was shit on Lotus defense. Yeah. Yeah, they were. They were. Also, um, I don't think Kesnik coming back to crew is uh, good. I think that's a fucking chaotic move for why after a fucking single elim tournament. Uh, and they also played Red Bull and got smoked. No, but they also didn't have their full roster there. The fucking Melzer wasn't even there. Yeah. I mean, this was Melzer's first tournament calling, too. Like, this was a lot of changes for them. Uh, I, I, I think if Kesnick comes back on that team, I'd be fucking furious if I was that team right now. <laughs> I mean, and, it's happening. And I'm they're going to sure. replace Shant. Like, pfft. that's troll. Anyways, fine with the tier. Carmine Core. Where are we finding these guys? Dude, I'm S telling tier. you, they're trolling, but they're actually all right. <laughs> they're, this... they're in the B tier, annoyingly. Okay. Okay. Think they're better than footballers? I don't know where. I mean, I think they should be at the bottom of the B tier. Okay. Yeah, I think I think they'd beat footballists, but I hope they wouldn't beat Genji or EG. All right, Carmine Corp, B tier. Loud, I'm putting them in S tier. I I'm liking yes. what I'm seeing. I think they're going to get, keep getting better. I think it's you're gonna be hard pressed to put them in A tier. Uh, MIBR, they had the crowd buff. C tier. But uh, he, he having a performance like that is just not something that you could actually rely. On. Like he's never gonna be a reliable player if that's the case. Yeah. What do you mean? Did, did he underperform, overperform? Map two, his fractured neon was horrendous. Yeah, he was really bad. He did a lot of like trolling of just like pushing individually and like throwing rounds. It was it was a super winnable game for MIBR and they did a little choking. They also just didn't they didn't react at all to what Talon was doing and Talon was like doing the same sort of thing over and over and over and just wrecking them because of it. I don't know. S tier by the way. For Navi. S tier oh, for Navi. Yeah. E Hard to agree. Better. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, no, don't, no, put no, no, don't put them up with Don't put them up with S tier for Navi below loud. And Fnatic. NRG, can we put them in S tier right now? Yes. Is, yes. Yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. Below Na'Vi. They would not beat Na'Vi right now, you don't think? Uh, that'd be a great game. I'd love to see them play against each to other, to that. be honest. Um, um, I don't know, though. I, I feel like I feel like you could... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. They, they belong up there, though, in my opinion. Paper hey, Rex. Talk about Ooh. disappointing teams. I had them in the disappointing teams category, but we kind of just wanted to rip on Liquid the whole time. But were you guys, how disappointed were you with Paper Rocks? Do they deserve a B tier still or, or what? They would they would beat EG and lose to 100 Thieves. Okay. okay. I fuck with that. Yeah, so right, that's pretty based. Nice. So they're the gatekeeper team right now, like directly in the middle of the 32 teams. 
Uh, I got, yeah. I think that's very fair. RRQ? <laughs> they are who we <laughs> thought they were? Are they, they better than They're better detonation? than we thought they, we were. They're better than detonation, but yeah. I think they'd lose to Liquid. <laughs> I think Liquid would lose to RRQ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Put him top D tier. Top D tier. They uh, beat Cloud9 uh, with three players. It they just doesn't even matter. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> this does matter. They win the 3v5. Sentinels, got to see a little glimpse of them. Still A2. growing pains. Shut the fuck up, A tier no, Sentinels. Bottom A is based. Bottom A is no, based. Bottom A is not based. I don't want to be so associated with this screenshot if they're an A tier after just bowing out of the tournament immediately. Obviously, they, they lost, lost to the Fnatic. They lost to Fnatic. They lost to Fnatic. But I, that's just not a fair way of going about things. They, they looked about as good as Paper X. I do think that they would still beat EG. Would they be? But they had worse. They had worse ideas, I think, than EG. But their player quality would drag them. Through. I think they would beat everyone in the B tier except maybe Furia. I think off player quality alone, I think they could just like own most well, of these teams. And your I think little your little clout chasing brain's gonna have to wait and see. Then aren't you? You're gonna have to you're gonna have to provide me with any level of evidence. Yeah, I just, any crumb of evidence. 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 They lost to Fnatic. Evidence. They need time. Evidence. Show me the evidence for Fat L. I'm what capping the off the stack. I'm capping. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I tried to Stockholm syndrome myself into into putting them higher. Can't even. I can't convince myself. Put them B tier. This is good. I fine. Put them B tier. Uh, yeah, they're gonna be in the middle of B tier, right next to Paper Rocks. T one. D. Who did they lose to? Oh right, they lost after lose getting forfeited fucking rounds to them. Holy shit. Yeah, that was horrendous. Horrendous. We call yes. them D one from now on. <laughs> so the top of D one, they're the gatekeepers. No, they no, lose we call to RQ. Them TD, tier D. Tier D? Thank okay. you. Team Thank Secret. You, you know, good. they look pretty good. Look pretty good. Where do Team we Secret them? would beat Common Core. Above Gen G. Yeah. They would beat yes. Common Core and Gen G, but they would lose to each. Yeah, I think that's, that's quite reasonable. I think that's very fair. Okay. <laughs> Heretics? D. Uh, all the G2 D. players that you got rid of. Dude, bottom C, bottom C. They'd there still Kellogg's on his own would still beat T1. Yeah. Or Kellogg's would drop three kills and lose. Are, I love this one fucking liner explanation for why. <laughs> we're, we're plowing through this. We got <laughs> one uh, time here, but this is going to be a factual screenshot when we get to the yeah. end of it. Talon, very fun team. The boys, it would. I think they're not going to have as good a tournament out of Jit Boy and Garnets in the future in my, that's, that's my hot take I think that they had a honeymoon run I think I would put them still underneath Secret I think actually think? maybe a really fun no, matchup no, no maybe above Secret Go actually maybe, maybe I'd put them like with Paper X a bit above Paper X maybe can we please put them <laughs> above the team that they beat in EG2 thank you yes, yes yeah, yeah yeah sorry I wanted to this put them is... all the way up here I'm based, based. Based, actually. I, I think they're better. Yeah. I think they're better than Sentinels, but they would lose to 100 Thieves. I think they would beat 100 Thieves. Fuck it. Based. That <laughs> started throwing shuttlecocks at me. <laughs> Vitality. Twiston looked really good. Um, top of the B tier. Top of the Legitimately. Think, yeah. Better than Furia. So there's only going to be yes. two teams in A tier. Can we put I them bottom A? Can this. we put them bottom A? Can we do this? Mm, kind of base, not really. Um, I disagree with Furia A. I think Furia is still top. B. I think both I could... Leviathan and DRX are just a tier better than them. So yeah, yeah you're, I right. Think... <laughs> you're right. You're right. That's a tier list. 
That's how tier lists work. I just, you know, so B is really crowded, man. Zeta, okay, there's a lot of mediocre teams. Put him in D. Put him in D. No, 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 Zeta, no, no, no. Zeta or a C tier team. BBL, somewhere around there. Yeah, better than that, even. I think they looked uh, better than global, probably. I think they go top of C. Orson really? Foot. You think Orson, 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 Orson. would lose, lose to Zeta? Yeah, I think it's very Kiwi possible. drops 40, footballists win. Middle yeah, C. Yeah, I think Kiwi would just win the game against Zeta. Koi, we saw them play once against Zeta. They, they, they lose the common call. They lose the common call. Fuck off. They lose the common call. Fuck off. No, they don't. They lose the common call. No way! <laughs> Dude. Uh, okay, Starkso might ult the wrong site, but come on, man. It's it's going to be okay. I Car forgot about Car that. Car this Michael tournament was too didn't... long. I can't remember oh, well, any yeah, of these yeah. teams. Dude, that was a nasty good fake, though. That was a good fake. <laughs> That's up. what I'm saying. Scream can't IGL like that. Koi will... Koi just walk slowly to the site and kill all of the dangerous elements of Carmine Core, and everything is fine. So we put him at the bottom of B. No, no, no. no, no, no. Put him above Sentinels, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So they would beat Sentinels, they'd lose to 100 Thieves. Yes, EG, or EMEA bias here. Let's go. Yeah, honestly, that's fine. This is good. Good tier list. I love this tier list. I'm actually happy about this. <laughs> this is the best tier list we've ever made. Extraordinarily so based. <laughs> The more we think, the more we think the wrong thing. Exactly. I actually think this is better the than right the ones one. that we've like argued heavily about. Like I actually feel fairly okay about this. this Probably because so we haven't thought about it too hard. Yeah, I'm not gonna think about it. So at there's all. only Good. there's only six A plus tier in yes. all of yes. franchise. That is actually real and correct. What well, real yep. quick before we end this topic, who has the chance, the biggest chance to move up into that echelon? Good question. I don't know. I actually oh. don't. 100 Thieves, probably. 100 Thieves and Sentinels, I think. Vitality, if they demonstrate it over paper more time. I think Gen G does. I think Gen G actually looked very good. Um, we only got to see one game, but I think with more games, that team might actually be the, a mild amount of the truth. Any APAC teams? I hate to agree with Josh, but if K-Core stops trolling, maybe. Paper X. No, they're not going to be an A tier team. Let's cut. Let's come uh, down. But A tier and Amia, A tier Amia team. A tier Amia is fucking C tier everywhere else. Yeah, true. Let's, dude. I. All right. Let's let's go to why it's legally a war. Uh, hello. Oh yeah. No, that's fine. I'll uh, I'll put them right on. Uh, it's for you. All right. <laughs> I hope you guys are enjoying this. What? There's a, there's a what? lot of people. What just happened? I don't know. He got a phone call and he got yelled at his boss. Sancho was getting nags like you got to go. All right. Real quick. Honorable mentions for why it's with the award. Hansi, Hypok, and Achilleos. All three honorable mentions for the award. Pansy getting COVID right at the end of the event. She's still in Sao Paulo right now. Get better soon yeah, and get fucked. home soon. Hypok also got COVID during the event, uh, missed a lot of casts. And of course, Achilleos for stepping in and casting while being a, pretty much a permanent member of the desk as well. Um, great job to you three. But the true Wyatt's Weekly Award winner this week 
goes to Wyatt for correctly predicting the finals of Lockin <laughs> with the winner being Fnatic. I yeah. don't think too many people in the world had that predicted, especially the loud pred, uh, especially with all the changes they made with that team. Great job, Wyatt. You're a savant. We miss you. He's upstairs relaxing because he's been doing <laughs> plat chat for like three months straight. That's why I'm on this episode and not him. Um, yeah, I think that rounds out the episode. I think it was pretty fun. We we kind of got through mostly everything. It was really fun hosting. Thank you guys for carrying us along. Thank you, Curtis. The episode. Yay. Yay. Everyone put a thank you, Knurt, in the comments. Thanks, Chad, if you love Knurt, type one in the comments. <laughs> yeah, please type one in the comments. Uh, otherwise... Wait. We have more questions so we could extend this episode a little bit longer. A little longer. Just a little, <laughs> a little longer, longer Kurt. No, Josh has to go play pickleball or whatever he has to do. Josh, <laughs> Josh is gone. How do uh, I end the episode? Oh, yeah. Bye. This bye. bye, everybody. Thank you for Sponsor watching. Us. Please give us money.